Stormzone Role Mapping, episode 145. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular host, Jackson. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? And we're joined by a guest, Neve. you're here. Yeah, hi. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I do a bunch of podcasts, mostly on export audio. Um, I feel like my first like big one was Ghost Divers. It probably has the most overlap with this audience, so it's an anime podcast. Uh, uh, we- no, one here, no one here likes anime, excuse yeah. you. This is for video games. Uh, well, you know, you're at least all about suffering through Gundam, so uh, we... No, I don't know. <laughs> Not right now. For the next two hours, I don't give yeah. a fuck about Gundam. You can't do this to me. But we did just do IBO. Uh, also have a movie podcast called Ornate Stairwells. Um, you and I am, we do uh, on Abnormal Mapping, Around the Long Fire, an Icelandic saga podcast um, that is also just a lot of us talking about stuff. <laughs> Yes, it is just a weekly chat. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's sagas involved. Um, and then another thing that's just kind of a weekly chat, uh, but on a timer, and sometimes manga is involved, is Pondering Putan, which is just sort of a, a weird kind of jokey podcast I do with a friend. All right. Um, it's uh, video game time. Jackson, uh, what out of the Sony conference are you excited about? Spider-Man 2, right? You're a Spider-Man no, fan. No, no, no. <laughs> Why would you bring this up? Why would you bring this up on this friendly podcast that we're meant to be having? No, Spider-Man 2 uh, looks terrible, just like Spider-Man 1. It was an awful game um, that sucked. And I'm still mad about it. I'm still mad about it. Because I, I like Spider-Man 1. Uh the not Spider, not I like Spider Man in general. The concept I like the video game Spider Man Two from two thousand and four with the good swinging, uh, and Spider Man from twenty eighteen uh, took out every single thing that I liked about that. Uh, the swinging is just frictionless and boring. Um, You've just become the like nostalgia gamer about this one video game, and nothing will ever satisfy <laughs> I'm you. I'm not the nostalgia gamer. I've went back and played it. It's oh, I good. know, it's- but I, you just—it's like this is the only thing Spider Man can be in my heart. No, that's not what I'm saying. You can do whatever you want, but they didn't do. Okay, right. Here's the thing: if they had made a Spider Man turn-based fucking tactics game, I wouldn't be comparing it to the exact same video game, but better. <laughs> They also made an open-world mission-based Spider-Man game with storytelling. That's it's the same game. It's the same game, but it's not as good. Uh, and everyone fucking loves it, because if your game is smooth enough uh, and like the combat is mindless enough, people will go, oh, what an incredible Sony masterpiece. And I'm like, this is fucking terrible. This is garbage. It's God of War the same. You press buttons and people die. Uh, I guess God of War's combat slightly better than Spider-Man's, but it sucks. It sucks. The game sucks. I'm annoyed about it. And you, I wasn't going to bring it up, but now look what you've done. <laughs> it's a good warm-up, getting you riled on a Saturday morning. I'm told that Miles Morales makes some improvements to the Spider-Man. I mean, it's still so this, like- it's literally the exact same like gameplay systems. Like I watched that and I was like, oh yeah, this is the same game. Uh, it's just six <laughs> hours is the, is the when secret. I- when I describe to you what the improvements are, you will say, like, I'm not e- literally not even thinking about these as mechanics that matter. Uh, but the I mean specifically the, like, trick system uh, that introduces risk-reward into the actual swinging in the moment's moments. Oh, yeah, uh, like, I did some of that. It was fun. Like, it was, it was nice to have something to do in between point A and point B. But I literally played that game going from story mission to story mission and then Batman, like, you know, stealth takedowning guys over and over uh yeah that, that wasn't even in the original so you, you just like pressed r1 and then you would just swing and it would just show you really nice swinging animations but i'm like i'm not doing this this is nothing it's nothing make me a video game please yeah. i know you can the ration and clank games feel good it's not like you can't do this insomniac you just chose not to this time 
That's the difference between selling a, like a million copies and six million copies is make your game easier and boring. <laughs> yeah, make your game suck because God of War sold a billion billion copies and no one bought Gravity Rush 2, even though it has some of the best movement in any video game ever. I'm not salty. It's fine. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. Someone else talk. Uh, well, hey, wait, 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 wait. Did, uh, we're going to do our actual job here. Did you play any video games uh, this month in the last that you week? haven't talked about in the last two days or whatever? <laughs> I played a bit of Dynasty Warriors 4 Hyper, which you that? said you should go play some Dynasty Warriors, and I did. You know what? It's great. That's cool. Did you pursue Lubu? No. In fact, I tried and I fucking died. So yeah, Okay. Don't pursue Lubu confirmed. Uh, it really starts to click with me on like the, uh, the third or fourth mission of like the ways in which those old games are about. Um, the challenge is like don't pursue too far ahead of your army's line because then you'll get surrounded and, and owned. Uh, make sure you balance which bases you take out, which with which other generals are pushing to certain places. Uh, and it just led to like, oh, I overextended too far, so Lu Bay got taken out, so I had to retreat back to my base, and then me and Southside were fighting off six guys as we were getting swarmed. Uh, so as we were trying to surround y- Yuan Shao, uh, and I'm like, damn, this is the shit I love. This is like all the people, the guys I know from the book I like. Uh, and the way the, the game's designed really like brings up these battles, and like, I totally get it. I get why people love those games. Uh, the version I'm playing kind of sucks because there's no good version of the old Dynasty Warriors games. Unfortunately, they've never ported those. Uh, you can emulate them, but emulating them is really annoying because um, of the disc swap mechanic. Oh, uh, yeah. You have to like put in the un- uh, Extreme Legends disc and then put in the other disc and get unlock all the content, and that doesn't really work in emulators. And you can make a combine whatever. I didn't do all that, so I just played the PC version that only has the base content. It's fine. Um, but yeah, having a great time. Dicey Warriors. Maybe you've heard of it. It's pretty sick. I've only played Hyrule Warriors, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm sure that one's good as well. I know that like Does not I does not have the does not have the idea of oh you got too far ahead of your army and now you're in trouble, unless you're playing on like really hard difficulties. <laughs> that yeah. game is uh the the any hero character is just like a god versus eight hundred like Boko Blins. Yeah, I know the difference is I think it's uh, after 7-ish or 6 and 7 is like once they got to the HD era they really put too many guys on screen so an individual guy had to be toned way down whereas you can get surrounded by individual guys that can still go bad for you uh, in 4. Oh yeah, that's um, it, Hyrule Warriors you're killing literally hundreds of guys on that. Yeah, my only experience uh, yeah. with these games is the Persona 5 Strikers uh, and I did not really get why people liked the games from that but I also assumed that it that was not the best representation of it so... Persona 5 Strikers is an interesting one. I really want to play it. It was one that I, I almost considered playing it without playing Persona 5. Because um, every time people talk about it, they're like, it's weird. It's like a new version of the 7 Remake stuff in that it's like constantly pausing things. It's all about elemental weaknesses in the middle of this action combat. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see how on earth uh, they translate like Muso gameplay into that. But I, I haven't got to any of the, the newer like, spin-off-y things. Mostly because I haven't... Like, I haven't played enough Zeldas to really want to play the Zelda fan service one, right? Like, I guess I could do the Gundam ones. Um, you could go play the... Both of you could go play the Berserk Musou any day. <laughs> no. I didn't even know that uh, was one. That one's, like, notoriously bad, right? No, it's just one of them. Okay. I, I, I don't think I will, it's one of the better Musos. Once I finish, once uh, Fate Extra CCC comes out, I will be playing the fake Fate Musos that they didn't even bother to pay Omega Force for. Those are just made uh, as knockoff Musos. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, guess what? Yeah. 
they have bothered to pay a megaforce that's true the new, the new fate game is like fate samurai remnant which is an omega force game here's the problem is i don't want another fate au the reason i'm interested in uh extella is because it's uh it's, it's an extra riff it's like post you have yeah you'd have already played it if if ccc was out <laughs> Yes, I I went to play it. I started it, and I, they started referencing characters that were from CCC, and I was like, "Ah, shit! I gotta, I gotta wait. I'm not doing this out of order." Uh, those are well, well respected uh, non Omega Force Miso games. Um, I've been like p- p- peeking in at like communities who really like these games, and the real, you know, the real nerds because they always keep saying Sengoku Basra is better, but they never port it over here. <laughs> uh, I okay. Um, any other games or no? Probably not. Uh, no, just that was in Chrono Cross because I, you know, I've I've played forty hours of Chrono Cross this week. So <laughs> yes, uh, Neve, what do you got? Um, I mean the the biggest thing that I've been playing recently is Tears of the Kingdom. Um, got that like basically after I beat Chrono Cross. Uh, it was coming out like a few days later, so I ended up getting it. Um, mostly I've been playing it with my child watching. Um, in part because it's just how I can get gaming in. This is also true for a lot of Chrono Cross. Um, and I've been enjoying it. Uh, there's like elements of it that were really exciting at first. And then like very early on, uh, you get this power to like ascend and go through like a ceiling above you. If, as long as it's like close enough, if it's really high up, you can't. Um, mm. And when you get that ability, it becomes extremely easy to get on like the very top of like buildings or mountains or things like if there's like a cave and you go in the cave and you just find the right little spot, you can get like way up high on the cave or on the mountain. Um, and so all of that, I was like, this is really interesting because they haven't given you a paraglider. And I don't know if they're ever going to give me one because I haven't looked up like spoilers for anything. Um, not because I'm like avoiding it. I just haven't encountered them really. Um, mm. And so I was like, once you're on the top of like a, a huge tower, how do you get down? Um, and you can have, like you can fall and if you land in water, you're safe. So I'm like, do you just have to like look around for water? or climb down or find there's like these uh sort of temporary gliders that you stand on and you have to like put a fan on it to like blow it um and like if you stand on like one wing you'll sort of steer it one direction stuff like that um i was like is it just going to be like the inverse of breath of the wild where it's like extremely easy to get up high and then getting down is the problem um and then like pretty soon after the 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 fairly large sort of like tutorial area um you get a paraglider and i was like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) um but it the the amount that like the powers are different does just like radically change how um you approach like moving through the world and it, it really does lean into like it's just so much easier to get up high now uh not yeah. only with ascend but like when you do the the uh, map towers, you know, where you get like the mm-hmm. lookout and you, you reveal the map, uh, you like enter in the bottom and it just like shoots you all the way up, like high into the sky. And then you like do a map of both like the air region and the ground region at the same time. And then you just okay. have to like drift with the, you know, paraglider or whatever. Um, and That's... often you're like having to intentionally put the paraglider away and just fall for a while and then like pull it back out. Cause otherwise you'll just run out of stamina and hit the ground. <laughs> So. Yeah, my thing with Breath of the Wild was I felt, um, and this is a me thing mostly, is I never wanted to like explore and experiment very much because 
if you mess something up, getting back to the point where you jump off something took forever. So that being shortcutted, it sounds great to me. Yeah. I'm not actually going to play this game, but... um, It does feel... And I think this is something you have to do after, like, a game like Breath of the Wild, especially mm-hmm. using the same map, is, like, you, you have to... People have been, like, playing this with, like, full stamina and everything. And if they're mm-hmm. coming into a new game and you're going to, like, take stamina away and things, you're going to have to, like, make difficulties in traveling the world. But it it can't just be, like, you're reset to the beginning of Breath of the Wild. Um, because I think people will just be too annoyed at being, like, I'm so used to traveling this world quickly, now I can't. In this game, it's, like, very easy to sort of quickly avoid stuff. Um, the one thing, I and I think it's the reason why I'm liking it a little bit less of Breath of the Wild, is that I do just like being kind of, like, lost in exploring a space and, like, not quite sure how to get somewhere. And I feel like I have that experience, like, way less often in, in uh, Tears of the Kingdom because it's so easy to just get up high and look around and, like, jump and, and sail somewhere. Um, which is nice for, like, my kid just is obsessed with like we need to save princess zelda um in a way that like (laughs) is not really what these zelda games are about um but like link why are you fucking around building shit with zelda we gotta save zelda (laughs) yeah gandalf's Um, got zelda and so like it is like i will get to like a, a fast travel point and save the game for the night and like you know put them to bed and then i'll like run around and do like all the side stuff i want but i know that like once they're watching again they're gonna be like well we need to go to the next temple because we didn't get princess zelda in the lot and also they like don't know the formula of these games so even though i'm trying to explain like i don't think we're gonna save princess zelda when we do the second of the four temples like let's there's four of them we probably have to do all of them right uh but like the first temple was just like convinced that we were gonna save princess zelda at the end so (laughs) um uh yeah uh when um uh, in gundam when tomlin is talking about the new type potential of new uh <laughs> youth what he's talking about is uh playing a zelda game and not instantly realizing oh there's this many temples and then you save zelda at the end and you, yeah. <laughs> the potential of all things is possible um was so convinced that when we got through like the little tutorial area we would save princess zelda and i was like i you know and it was like we were getting close to it one night and they were like well can we stay up to save princess zelda and i was like buddy oh no <laughs> buddy <laughs> we're gonna have to do a whole other like uh there's gonna be like temples after this we're gonna like have to go fight some final boss it's just the whole game it, when we get to the end of the game that's when it's happening <laughs> we cannot stay up and beat all of tears of the kingdom right now um but i I don't remember the temples quite as well um, from Breath of the Wild, but like the uh, the one that I did so far, um, it did feel a little bit more smartly constructed. They're doing a lot of like they're really leaning into like the puzzle game side of Zelda and doing that with like physics puzzles um, mm. in a way that it just feels like they had that somewhat in Breath of the Wild, but here they've like become more used to the systems. They've seen people like mess around with the systems. Um, and so they're able to do like, uh, far more developed puzzles there. Um, so, and there are ones where you're like, this might be the solution or I might've just cheesed it. Um, which is really like, if I can do like a small spoiler for a puzzle. Um, it's just like a treasure chest that's like way in the far end of the room. And there's like, uh, 
you know, walls around. Um, and there's like a, a gate, but the gate has like a little hole in it. And so I just took a bunch of icicles and I had to make sure they didn't melt from the candles around. And I just like fused them all together and then like pushed it all the way through the hole and fused the tip to the, the, um, treasure chest and then just pulled them all out. Uh, and that's how I got the treasure chest. I don't know if that's the solution to the puzzle or if I just cheesed it, but, uh, that's always a good feeling to me when I'm, when I'm doing these sorts of puzzle games, especially these physics puzzle games, um, where you don't even know if the cheesing was actually the, the answer. Um, yeah. I'm so. very curious about how I feel about that game in like five years when I eventually get to it. Yeah. Um, uh, playing it with my kid has been great too, just because I am getting the like wonder of video games happening in a way that <laughs> like I'm I don't experience anymore. So, um, you know, they're like absolute shock when like Zelda was lost at the very beginning of the game. Um, I was like, oh, this is so That's cute. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, your child and everyone on the internet who is talking about playable Zelda that yeah. they're going to work together. <laughs> Oh, she's gonna be in the caves. Well, like if you see the if you see the the art, she's got the Sheikah Slake and the torch. She's gonna be in the caves and links me in the sky, and they're both gonna be working together. I promise you, my uncle works at Nintendo. He says finally this time. Oh, oh, this is gone again. Oh, yeah, fuck, I can't believe this would happen again. Um, <laughs> the innocence of youth makes it so much more pure. Yes. <laughs> um. All right. Um, I played uh, some one. We had that whole episode about what I played, but I held back two games at Neve's request. Um, I played The Secret of Mana uh, for the Super Nintendo Entertainment What's System. What's The Secret of Mana? Uh, you know what? I couldn't <laughs> tell you. Uh, it's called it, The Secret of Mana. Is uh, it's taken to Tetsu Two? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> um, which, uh, again, is the sequel to uh, Final Fantasy uh, Adventure. I got that right. I get Adventure and Legend yeah. mixed up all the time in my brain, um, even though I've played both of them. Um, and uh, it is a, you know, a 2D RPG, like an action game where you have a big stamina bar that you charge up to do attacks. Um, I thought Final Fantasy Adventure was an incredible game. Uh, yeah. One of the best games on the Game Boy. I thought Secret of Mana was really boring and bad. No, it's weird. I did not enjoy my time with Secret of Mana. I think it like looks nice, like not exceptional. It looks nice. I think the music's very silly in a way that I enjoyed. Um, but um, the game itself is just like very like loose and and i think the menus are all really annoying and bad uh unfortunately apparently those stick around which i hate ring menus can uh i'm not gonna be rude it just sucks i don't like it um uh, <laughs> uh and everyone i talked to who played this game in antiquity uh was like yeah it was really great when i'd never played a real rpg before and me and my two friends got together and played multiplayer yeah uh three player because <laughs> the game supports everyone running because you get a three character party and you can play if you have the multi-tap or just two people you can play multiplayer where every, each one takes a person and everyone runs around uh, just fucking up the guys in the action combat all at once instead of the pretty terrible AI doing it for you. Yeah. Um, and I understand why people like that, because that would be great fun. Uh, but I did not play it that way. I played it like a single player game and it is mid, firmly mid as that. Yeah. Uh, it's just like if what you want is an RPG, even an action RPG, um, there's really a lot of other great games that you can play. Uh, mm. the whole, the whole appeal, like when I was a kid to Secret of Mana was just the fact 
that you could play it with your two friends. Um, yeah. Because often you'd be sitting around watching your one friend play the RPG. Um, and this was one where you could like jump in. Um, and so that was always the, that was the big appeal to it. That's the, the why, the reason why, um, so I like played it when I was a kid. Um, I think it was just, it was me and a friend, not two friends, but that still mm-hmm. is better than having two AI, um, on your, on your team. Uh, and then the other time was like, as an adult, um, there was this summer where it was me, my roommate at the time, and then Emily, who, you know, I was going to marry soon after I was dating at the time. Uh, and we just like that summer just played it all together. Um, on like original hardware too, because my roommate at the time just like has all like basically every console. Uh, it's just wild about this stuff. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And then there was a part where they, I think they put it like on a phone game or something that you could play it on your, your, uh, uh, iPhone or something. And I was like doing it during my commute. And I think I fell off towards the end. There's just a part mm. where I was just like bored with it. Cause it's, it's really not, um, the single player experience I think is just, outright bad and like the the wheel system kind of makes sense when you have three people all on screen having to access menus at the same time but it it feels like it's like a solution to um having a multiplayer thing rather than like in and of itself a good menu system Mm -hmm. so uh yeah uh so then I was like, well, I need to play a good Super Nintendo game. Um, and I played Kirby's Dreamland 3, um, the 1997 uh, game, which I'd never played fully. I'd played a little bit of back in the day, like on emulators, but yeah. I never sat down and played through the entire game. Um, and uh, that game was really good. Uh, and not just not because it does anything remarkable with the Kirby formula. It's it's pretty straight uh forward Kirby game you go through the levels you get you get to the end uh there's animal companions that combine with you to make uh just too many powers there's infinite powers because this is pre this is pre Hal laboratory putting like a bunch of smash moves on every power um which I do like I I do love that vision of modern Kirby where every every power does a bunch of things uh and there's less of them than this one where there's 8,000 powers but each do one thing um uh it looks incredible it's got this like very like almost like colored pencil illustrative style because uh, it was a very late Super Nintendo game uh, 64 already out. Um, but the main thing that made it good to me is in every level um, there's like a hidden objective. It's not hidden, but like there's like a goal that is not elucidated to you that um, requires you to like do something for one of the people in like in dreamland uh, that needs something. And so it's like, uh, reunite your fish companion with his wife who's waiting at the end of the level. So you have to make sure that you have the fish companion with you when you finish and clear the level, even though it's probably a ground level and you don't want to be in the fucking fish while you're on land. Um, that's that's the burden you have to take. Or yeah. um, there's like go- goofy cameo ones. There's like you're collecting pieces of Rob to build a Rob at the end of the thing. There's like Samus shows up briefly and is like, please kill the Metroid for me. That's uh, <laughs> hidden in the level. Um, but it's mostly you know, pop star residents asking for help um, and you help them. And in doing so you get like the unlock the final boss currency. Like there's one per level and you get them all. And that's how you unlock the final area. Um, And it just requires you to think about Kirby puzzle solving, not just in a collectible sense, but in a overall, like how do I use Kirby's very limited move set to generate um, 
happiness in the world. Like there's, there's, there's like one level where like the end, the end thing is a flower and you don't really think about it and you get there and you're like, Oh, the flower is sad. And throughout the level, there had been these like red flowers grow, like growing in the stage and you have to get through without stepping on any of them. Because if you step on them, the flower at the end is sad and just requiring you to rethink your platforming, um, to go through the level again, uh, is really smart. I think it just reframes what movement and action in a platformer does just enough to like nudge it into uh something like more considered because otherwise you're just kind of holding right and swallowing guys and get to the end of the video game um my one complaint and you can fix this there's rom hacks i, I did not play them is kirby moves too fucking slow is <laughs> is an agonizingly slow game despite only being like five hours long <laughs> yeah um so if you play it and you're you're someone who is uh, prone to being mad when games move too slow, there is a ROM hack that will give you f- faster speed on Kirby always. So I would recommend that. Um, I've been playing this game recently as well, uh, mostly with my kid, because I think like when they were first getting excited about video games, um, just as like a general thing, you know, from phone games and stuff like that, because it's the, the thing kids get access to the most easily right now, I feel like. Um, but when it came to like, OK, let's like sit and like play a game on the TV. I started with some Kirby games and like other early games, just because I think the the systems can be pretty simple. Um, you know, my kids not like grabbing the controller, moving Link around because the control system in uh, Tears of the Wild is way too complex. I forget what buttons do what constantly. Um, and this is a really good game for like because actually just getting through the level is not that difficult, even for like a three and a half year old, you know, um, there's still some difficulties, but if you're like playing with somebody else as like the, the blob, like a second player can join in and be the blob. Um, a lot of that stuff becomes extremely doable, but then it is like still like interesting for me, uh, in part because of the, like, you know, secret objective that you have to do. Um, which, of course, then my co- kid got very invested in as well, uh, being, like, very upset if you would accidentally step on the flower, <laughs> for example. Um, and then there's the, like, version where you have to get the water-throwing power to then water yes. flowers and then not step on them. Um, yeah. I think my favorite of the puzzles is there's, like, a guy who, like, inflates his body, and if you've done the umbrella with the... I think it's, like, with the... Um, fish or something you like look the same way uh and so if you go and you like do the fish move next to him he's just like thinks it's funny <laughs> that it looks like him <laughs> yeah uh it's just a great little thing but um yeah i i think that it's like a phenomenal game for just like playing at different skill levels um mm-hmm. which is a thing that is not always true with like games that you can play with somebody so yeah um also it's a version of the fucked up the universe destroying final Kirby boss is maybe my favorite one. Cause it's just a big, f- like bleeding eyeball that fires its own blood at you. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? How much of the, I-, I hear about this all the time. I've never played a Kirby game all the way through. Um, how much are the universe destroying Kirby final bosses? Like it, the games aren't like, Oh, it actually looks cute, but it's super fucked up, right? They're just like it just happens to have a cosmic thing, right? I'm I don't know what the exact tone is from the way people talk about it. I can't tell. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always just like a very. It, it, the thing is, those final bosses are often like intense and weird. Um, but 
on like it's not like leaning into this is really fucked up it's just the kirby will fight a weird cosmic horror at the end of a video each of these video games yeah but it's not like it's not signaled in a way because a lot of that stuff is like context right like especially for kids games like if you put a fucked up thing in a kid's game and then don't signal that the thing is fucked up, um, I feel like it's not going to actually like it will be evocative, but it's not going to like be upsetting. Probably that's my I don't have a kid. Right. But yeah. that's my assumption is like part of it is the framing is not weird about it. So it can just kind of exist. The art style is still kind of cute. Um, yeah, the the one that actually got my kid the most is the I, I forget the name of the tree, but the tree that like gets all evil and attacks you. And I think it's specifically. Oh, Woods? Yeah, it's specifically seeing the transformation from the tree to the monster that I think was like the thing that signaled like something scary is happening here. But when you just go and it's just like a weird bloodshot eyeball just floating mm-hmm. in space, there's like no other context around there that like something monstrous is happening. Uh, and so it's just like, oh, we got we go and we fight the eye, you know? Yeah. I have sent photos of the big eyeball shooting its own blood in the chat. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's just like it. That's weird, but it's not like yes. Uh, and and when people talk about all oh, of this is a cute game, but it's actually got a fucked up thing in it, I'm, I always get confused, like. Can be still like a fun thing for kids. It just has some stuff in it. I yeah, it just like has that. some stuff in it, and it's just really evocative. Seeing this weird white shape shoot like like red slashes appear on it, and then it fires red projectiles, and it's like, oh yeah, it's like cutting, like opening itself up to fire its own blood at you. Uh, it's it's just weird. It's just evocative and weird, but like in a in a context where you don't have to be like, oh, this is true body horror happening. Yeah, but it's it's not even like mother levels of no 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 Nintendo are doing some massive yeah. stuff no. Yeah, it still has this cute style. It's not like they got like Mira in to draw this fucked up eyeball. So, <laughs> um, I in looking for an image of this, I did see fan art that was extremely this. It, fans try too hard. Here you go. Please enjoy. Yeah, that's trying too hard. Yeah, that's trying too hard. Yeah. I can't bring in like Binding of Isaac enemies into Kirby. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that was it, um. So if we got nothing else, I guess we can uh, start the game club.
Our game club this month is Chrono Cross, the 1999 RPG uh, developed by Square for the PlayStation. This is the sequel to Chrono Trigger, the 1995 Super Nintendo game. We played Chrono Trigger. Do you know what episode this is off the top of your head? I do not. Ooh, it was a few. It was 2019. I know that much. Oh, really? Wow. Well, um, it had to be. It, w- it was indeed 2019. Why did it have to be? Because I move here in 2018 and then the world ends in 2020. <laughs> okay. So the period where I'm in this ha- house, uh, but, you know, going to town and doing things is uh, uh, a right. period. Uh, this was episode 89 of Abnormal Mapping. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I was gonna. I was gonna guess eighty-seven. By the way, I wow. didn't say it. But right that was on what it. I was, yeah. Uh, what was in my mind? Um, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, this is directed by Masato Kato, um, and uh, written by uh, Mitsuda does the music. Famously, um, this is a game where even back in the day, where no one I like most people I know didn't play it, and people who did were down on it. Everyone was like, "But that music though is so fucking good." Yeah, uh, which, <laughs> correct. That is that true. music though um i i i made the call uh that i don't want to summarize the story of this video game i don't want anyone else to have to summarize the story of this video game if you're going to proceed i hope that you do this so with the understanding that we're going to reference the plot of chrono cross like you know what the plot of chrono cross is um if you don't know the story of chrono cross and would like to um youtube has your back you can read the wikipedia but honestly i think the youtube videos are better because they show the stuff happening um I watched the, uh, like, two days ago, I watched the Terra Corrupt video just to, like, make sure it refresh on everything, and um, that one was cl- close enough. It's one of the most views. I'll link it in the description. Um, <laughs> the plot of Chrono Cross happens 80% of the way into the description of the plot of <laughs> Chrono Cross, because <laughs> it's all, like, backstory about Balthazar and the, the Dinopolis. <laughs> oh, what do they do in, like, yes, they do, they do. They do. Here's everything that is important to the story of Chrono Cross, which means explaining the timelines and everything before you even get to search <laughs> god okay that's ridiculous if you're going to if you're going to like understand what happens in chrono cross without playing 30 hours i feel like you almost have to do it that way because almost everything that is important that happens in chrono cross happened before surge even like wakes up and you get up in the morning and go on your adventure <laughs> or after because time travel yeah whatever yeah um anyway um famously this is a game that we were going to do 2020 something like that i don't even remember when that was um uh, yeah and we did a care instead no we did we did the other one instead and then we yeah rick rick was going to request this and i played through viper manor and did not have a good time and i was like eh, i don't want to do this uh then we bailed on it and uh i i've become more gamer moded since then and uh just to, and i was like eh, yeah i'm ready to give it a shot and if we're gonna give it a shot we might as well do an episode and so uh neve you did not select this but you were chosen because you um just love chrono cross would you like to speak briefly about your experience with chrono cross um sure uh i guess to answer the question that the listeners might have from the beginning uh i did not play chrono trigger before i played chrono cross as a kid i was very aware of chrono trigger i didn't have an snes but i had friends who did and would talk about it constantly so i knew the names i knew like chrono marl luca um i'd seen images of them you know i'd like go over and somebody would be playing it um i think i probably watched a little bit of like friends playing it um so i i had this like awareness around it um my brothers did as well and my closest in age brother who's older than me we got like uh 
you know, some gaming magazine like GamePro or whatever. Um, I don't even remember what one. And there were like previews for Chrono Cross as it was coming out. And at that point, like we had a PlayStation, um, you know, my, my brother was playing Final Fantasy seven and I was watching a lot of it and then trying to play it. But we'll, we'll get to the story about why I never actually finished Final Fantasy seven later with some, some emails, I think. Um, and so my brother was also all excited because this is like the sequel to Chrono Cross. A lot of the promo around it was like, uh, you know, within the game, you have these like diverting paths. Um, and I think there was like an aura around it too, that like, this is going to be one where like, you're going to get radically different endings, like based on what paths you take in the main story and things like that. Um, <laughs> which like none of that actually happened. Um, yeah. and I actually kind of enjoy what it does instead. Um, but then also what happened was, uh, Basically, all of the other RPGs was like my friends were playing them or like my older brothers were playing them. And as the youngest sibling, I just had like the lowest pecking order in getting like uh, solo time with game consoles, um, which means at the time I played a lot of like co-op games or, or versus games with people or I would just watch them play RPGs. Um, and when Chrono Cross came out, like some of my brothers were like graduating from high school. Uh, so the numbers were dwindling. And for some reason, it latched on to, like, Chrono Cross got its hooks in me in a way it didn't my brother. Um, and so it became this reverse thing where my brother was watching me play it. Um, and in many ways, I part of the reason why I like it is it's like the, the first time that I really... Because uh, I'd seen so many people playing RPGs that I knew, like, the grind system. And I immediately recognized that that was, like, not really a thing in this game. Um and so it was also the game that, like, taught me how to play RPGs outside of just, like, well, you just have to grind your way through until you can beat the boss. Um, it, like, taught me how to think strategically about RPG battles. Um, so that was one of the, the big things with it. And then it was just sort of, like, my favorite game for a long time. Um, I wrote a very embarrassing, um, like blog post about it uh that was also my coming out post is trans that's why it's extremely embarrassing um so <laughs> uh but yeah it's just sort of been like the the first uh two podcasts that i ever recorded were, were guesting on other people doing chrono cross stuff so uh i feel like i've kind of been known as like the chrono cross uh defender for a really long time um and for a lot of the in my time on the internet I never really encountered other people who liked Chrono Cross. It was kind of always me defending it against haters, uh, which is also why I agreed to come on here. Cause even if you both hated it, I'm just like used to taking that position. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of my general like experience with, and this was like when the game first came out in, in 2000. So, um, mm -hmm. it was one of the rare games that like, we didn't wait until the price went down. Like my brother was so excited about it that like we got it when it was new which was a, a hard thing to sometimes do as, like, poor kids, so. Yeah, I, um, so I, we talked about the Crunch Trigger episode. I played Crunch Trigger originally on the PlayStation re-release in, uh, 99, uh, with, no, that would have been, uh, 2001 for Final Fantasy Chronicles. Uh, so Chrono Cross was already out, and then when I played Chrono Trigger, I was like, oh, there's a sequel. My friends who had played it were like, yeah, but it's not a, it's not actually a sequel. It's just some other stuff, and it kind of sucks. Um, and so I never touched it at the time. Um, 
because gaming money, I didn't have a job through high school. Like I was still in high school when this happened and uh, just being able to afford games was non-trivial. So if people told me a game was bad, I just wouldn't bother uh, spending money on it, Um, uh, which is stupid. But, you know, this is what happens when you don't have uh, idle funds to buy video games. Um, (laughs) But it means that I knew like I had a friend who owned it and i like i said seen the the initial cutscene, and i'd seen some gameplay like later in so i knew that halfway through the game you start playing as links because of a body swap (laughs) and that's kind of like all i knew about chrono cross for 20 years (laughs) um and uh it always like um i they had the guide so i'd look through and i'd seen all the characters i was like man this game has so many characters and i had i had recently played starship 2 which is a game with like 13 characters or so and i was like man this is so many characters i've never seen a game with this many it must be the best game ever made because this is how you judge the quality of video games um but people say it's bad so i don't even understand and never touched it um and like i said i tried to play it uh, multiple times but i've always found the battle system very slow um which i still think that's true um but uh thankfully you don't have to defend yourself because uh we're both really positive on this right (laughs) yeah um I guess while I'm saying the history, I'll say my history, which is none, because uh, I'm a child. Um, by which I mean I'm almost 30 in a few months. <laughs> yes, but you notably did not grow up playing RPGs, and if you were, they wouldn't be these ones. Uh, yeah, no. Xbox owner didn't get a console to 2003, right? Yeah. yeah. So, also, um, I don't think Chrono Cross came out in, like, Europe regions for, oh, like, right, yeah. basically until uh, the Radical Dreamers. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even, yes. Also, like, being a Japanese in the UK was just a different thing. They just yeah. barely ever came out here. Um, so that wasn't really my scene. But I do know that, like, I heard about Chrono Trigger being, um, you know, incredible game for most of my life until we played it. That one I knew about. Uh, but my osmosis on Chrono Cross is all I would hear is people saying it's excellent uh I, all the time that was the, the only position i got but they would all say it like that was a, a country position like there must be but like i look back at the reviews like incredible everyone loved it and then i see people talking about it, like wow yeah one of the squaresoft classics and but they all act like there's a this mass of chrono trigger fans that all hate the game and i just like i i believe everyone. i'm 100 percent believe everyone. i'm sure they existed but looking back yeah. this i'm like where are they you, where where's the hater you gotta find uh, the old forums I, that's where it was happening apparently I found some of it, and you can definitely yeah. find some hate, but it's definitely like not as loud as I would expect from like the reputation of like this is a super polarizing game, and I'm like, is it? Is it really? I, I think I, I think in modernity, uh, Final Fantasy VIII has reclaimed the throne of a divisive RPG from Chrono Cross. Yeah, I do see more. more I just saw someone on a post literally today say. Uh, uh, it was about um, Final Fantasy. Someone played FF2 and was like, how do they allow this? And was like, oh, it's one of the worst games. The worst Final Fantasy games, FF2, FF8, FF15. And I'm like, criminals over here. Those are some of the best. Fun- these- I will. F- we can't talk about this. We can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, but like, the- I guess the other thing is just like, by the time I'm getting into RPGs, Chrono as like a culture war franchise is dead, right? Like yeah. Chrono Break was rumored a decade ago. No one cares. Uh, whereas... <clears throat> People are still arguing about Final Fantasy games from the 90s, and they will go to war over them. Yes. Uh, it's just a yeah. bigger deal. So um, the heightened like context of Chrono Cross is not something I've really had much experience in, other than like hearing about it and believe it's there, but it, it is very distant from my experience. So I just uh, played the game this time. I didn't play it when we were going to do it before, because you'd already called it off by that time. Yeah, I'd started um, way in advance, just like this one. I started this game three months ago. Yeah, so I had no preconceptions either way. 
Um, and then I went and had a great time. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, what you did do was you played uh, Radical Dreamer first, and I ended up playing Radical Dreamer after I'd finished Chrono Cross. Oh, yes, I played Radical Dreamers first, which I think is bad. I think Radical Dreamers fucking sucks um, because it's like, first of all, it's a visual novel that you can die in because uh, it's like a text adventure game and yeah, it's like, like an adventure module like a book like you yes. have like hidden stats uh yeah. that are very important to manage because if you get caught in a random battle you will die and if you haven't made it to uh a save point you just lo- you just have to go through the whole game again i'm like well i'm not doing that yeah um so i found it on youtube uh but then like i thought that the story stuff in in radical dreamers is really edgelordy and cringe and annoying um i think it like brings up the old cast to be like oh they're fucking dead now and uh uh kids like charla are in the void and it's all about the this links who's killed everyone and it's all doesn't it suck doesn't it suck actually when everything which is weird because that's how people talk about chrono cross the video game so then i come to chrono cross and all of that stuff has been toned way down is much more thoughtful and like nostalgic and sad and not like haha lucas burned to death now and you want revenge on me like that is still a scene in the game but it's contextualized in so many different ways and comes at such a different point as opposed to radical dreamers which is just like a you know dark sequel for no reason um so radical dreamers really like set me up to very much enjoy chrono cross as i saw all the things that like people don't like about mm. chrono cross in their like worst form uh, and then really appreciated how they were deployed in cross which is much much more like thoughtful about how it constructed themes uh, going in the other direction, I was uh, delighted in part by how Radical Dreamer is like a weird, like horror game version of the, the plot of Chrono Cross. Uh, I think mm-hmm. like the environments you go through are really evocative. It's a really annoying game to play. And I do think the like story part is less good, um, even though it, I would say like 70% of the same material happens just in a very different context. And the, I think yes. the, the places where they deviate are important. Um but um, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it either. I just already played Chrono Cross. is really high. And I, I played this and I was like, I see why he was like, let's just redo this one because this ain't it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, part of that is um, playing Chrono Cross. I was like, man, this really takes the limits of what you can do with a silent protagonist. I think as far as it can go. Um, but the minute Surge has interiority and Radical Dreamers, I'm like, oh, this is so much worse. Never mind. Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, because when, when Surge and Kid are hiding under a desk and he's like, she's pressed up against me and I look at her soft lips and I think, oh, what if I kissed her right here? I'm like, oh, fuck <laughs> off. This is not this is not how I imagine the interaction between these two characters. Yeah. Surge is just a weird light novel protagonist in that. Yes. In that radical dream. It just, it just sucks. because That's not how Surge is portrayed in a Chrono Cross at all. Yeah. Yeah um but uh yeah i i enjoyed chrono cross way more this time and part of it is just being willing to accept that it is a game that operates on uh its own rhythms um in that the world of chrono cross uh archipelago uh, archipelago that you're on is like relatively small there's like maybe like 10 locations on the world map and there's two like two universes of that so it's doubled right but like once you get a boat you can kind of go wherever and you just kind of gotta poke around to see what's there and oftentimes you'll be rewarded with like, here's a character to recruit, to recruit. Um, or, you know, here's an item that'll help you, or you can do it a little bit early and then you have to come back later and you won't have to do the part you did early later. Um, but it operates firmly in a, at that point, fully disappeared adventure game logic that was inherent to early RPGs where, you know, there'd be someone in town pointing you in the right direction, but you, you were meant to explore and there were hard boundaries on where you could go next. 
Um, and so anywhere that you couldn't go, obviously you weren't meant to go, but anywhere else you could get around to, you, you might find something and it'd be important to your exploration. Um, and partially that to me, that fits with the story because the story of Chrono Cross mostly is a guy ends up in a weird world where he's supposedly dead and just because no one knows he's there kind of just left to like adventure until he accidentally stumbles into being important to the story. Uh, it turns out that it was all orchestrated for that to be the case all along. But like for a long period, you're just kind of like a wanderer on a world that doesn't really know you're there. And I think there, that gives it that like shaggy dog energy where like this, the story just being like you kind of poking at stuff to see what's in the world uh, really fits with where Surge is like a, a story device. And I think that part's the thing that I ended up finding really evocative. Yeah. And it's also exciting because you get the, when you become links, like suddenly everyone knows who you are. You can just walk into places that you had to like sneak into before things like that. Um, like suddenly become somebody who people know and like, uh, will treat in this way of like, Oh, you are an important character in the story. Um, yes. in a way that is also just like, very evocative and uh like this this interesting tinge because i also think a lot of chrono cross is this like uh despite and including some of like a lot of the plot there is just this like pervasive mood of kind of being like uh lost and unsure who you are um and then to be like put into this other body and then like suddenly everyone treats you like you are now like a a known uh individual that like you have like this identity that you're like fighting with uh is just a an interesting like um push against the the initial just like who who even am i what what am i even doing um where now it's like oh you're links and you're like i i guess <laughs> like um i when I when I got to this bit, I was like, "Oh my god, it's Twin Peaks season three. Um, <laughs> because well, it like just it just okay. take does the thing that that's thing that we're like, you know, Doogie as a character is all about like the ways in which people react to empty signifiers of like your externality, uh, and just doing that for RPG protagonists was really interesting to me. <laughs> it was really yeah. good. The thing I like about this is that um, it, it's played nebulously. I, I honestly, this is one of the things that like I wish they'd lead into a little more in this part. But like, um, suddenly as Links, you're recruiting like villain characters or villain coded characters. Like uh, the the people you start rolling with are quickly like mostly like Beast Men and Dragoon Knights who have been like bosses in Surge's part of the video game. Um, and there's the implication that like did Surge just kind of roll off like Links as Surge roll off with your entire party? Is he still rolling with like? you know, the fairy and the, the onion boy and shit, uh, doing stuff. And it turns out, no, um, it's mostly just him and like a, a brainwashed kid. Uh, but, um, there's this implication briefly that like your other party is still out there with evil surge. Uh, now suddenly just because they follow surge thinking that they are doing, doing the right thing. Cause they're in the protagonist party, uh, as that's doing evil stuff, as you were collecting the former villains, um, to be your party to thwart him now. And I thought that was, like, really charged interesting. Um, it's weird because, like, the Link stuff immediately dovetails into stuff that you did a search early on where, like, Surge, Surge eradicates dwarves from the planet on accident. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> you, you, you do just genocide an entire people from the planet. <laughs> um, and it's and extremely in a, like, oh, are we doing the wrong thing? Who knows? We need this thing. So never <laughs> let's not think about it. Um, and as Link's, you're immediately thrust into 
you know, fantasy racism of the beast people are all like in this one island and everyone hates and fears them. And uh, like when you come in as Surge, they'll like they won't they, they barely will serve you and everyone's like mad at you. And you come in as Lynx, they're like, oh, one of us, welcome. Uh, and you get to just chill with them uh, to the point where like if you in the boss of that area, like the black dragons on that island, if you have three beast people, you don't even have to fight the boss. Dragon will just give you the thing you need. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which like I often roll my eyes at like beast people anime racism, but I think the version of this that happens in this game is considered in the fact that like ultimately Chrono Cross is inherently about the divide between people who are who self-identify as humans and the people who do not. It just takes 25 hours to reveal that that's always been the, the driving force of the Chrono universe, apparently. <laughs> so here's here's where I get to feel very smart uh or smart than all but feel like aligned with Masada Kata and I'm playing remember when we played Chrono Trigger one of my biggest things was like when you go and just kill the fucking fiends who's like Metis has the fiends uh and the fiends are there and they're like also people but they don't matter they don't matter in the evolution of like the planet right the, the time travel plot you're figuring out they just have some fiends and they suck and you take them out and everyone's like kind of racist against them but it's fine because you're the good guys I was like there's a tension here the the game plays as dragon quest comedy but because it's a square game i'm like you're not as good as that you're not as good as the dragon quest comedy as dragon quest uh and you've put like actual societal tension there but you're not really digging into it and i was like this looks like a friction in the world uh that is going like unconsidered uh and then chrono cross comes along and it's literally about that the entire game's about that. that's well that's what the game's about in every possible way um and while i think there's like a few frustrating parts in how it portrays it uh i was mostly pleasantly surprised uh, with how it all went because i remember <laughs> you get to the middle of the game uh and you meet miguel and miguel's like uh when you took out lava she still eradicated like a possibility and what does that possibility think about it and then my reaction was like yeah, but didn't lavas kill all the dinosaurs i wonder how they feel about everything not knowing that 15 hours later <laughs> uh, i would know exactly how they feel about everything <laughs> uh yeah the the reptites in chrono trigger are just like the goofy dinosaur bad guys in, in 65 million BC. And I've always, I don't like caveman like media seemingly rife in like anime of the nineties. Um, and so I've always like rolled my eyes that whole time frame. I'm like, I don't care about the cavemen fighting the big dinosaur empire or whatever. So to have the end of this game roll up and be like, when when time crash happened and chronopolis was thrown through time the earth tried to correct and like, what is the, what is the alternate version of chronopolis and pulled like super mario brothers the movie dinosaur society they're like giant spire of tech like dinosaur technology also back in time um and they're just here from a universe where they got to be the dominant species on the planet is so sick yeah yeah and also like their vision of society is like one that is harmonious with nature right like, yes in in the chrono cross uh law humans come from like lavos so they are in, in some way separate from the world and this is this is communicated through like you know when they go to the um uh the marble island they just like do colonialism on it right and they're like we need the uh you know resources we need uh and the people we need and we'll take them to like build these resources into machinery i'm um, just doing classic fancy lord of the Rings stuff it's like this is the thing that's like defines man is this uh uh urge to like have uh, like imperial dominion over nature well, it's weird because um, like chrono trigger posits that like humans were just cavemen right they were they were in yes. in a state of nature until lavos fell and lavos seemingly unlocked the capacity for magic so like zeal as the magic empire only exists because lavos did right um but then uh 
that that happens and zeal falls and magic is kind of lost but still kind of exists in the world but it, it's transferred in technology and then when chronopolis discovers the dinosaur technology what do they do they they tear apart dinosaur the dinosaur technology nature magic in the form of the dragons and literally commodify them as the element spells right yeah like yes your spells are the pieces of the dragons innate earth magic turned into items you equip and use like guns yeah it's so good it's it's really it's good it's just thoughtful and crunchy in all the ways i like when the square RPGs are doing yes yeah it's big it's big guardian forces have to live in your brain and destroy your memory energy to me like yeah the stuff that i, I mean, like this game in many ways reminds me of the stuff i really like about eight being like a world like tenuous in its morality and like oblique and like how much you it asks you to like fully understand it. you could just play the game as surge go and fight the bad guy and not really worry too much about it but the stuff there is like interesting uh because surge can't do anything about it a lot of it just sits on the ground for you to like pick up and think about um surge ain't solving the dinosaur problem right well there isn't a solution right like yes, ultimately the game I mean. posits that like both of these like I'm playing the game and I'm going back and forth with these various conflicts and you're like, you know, you got your killing God, but God's like a computer that is step one and four. Oh, you mean God one. Reveals. Sorry, you have yeah. to go kill God two later. <laughs> yes. Um, but like you kill fate, right? Who is yes. the, the boss of would be the final boss of uh, a lesser version of this. See half of JRPGs. Yes. Um, RPGs I like. Just, There's a lot of RPGs I like where yeah. the final boss is basically this. Like, yeah. uh, like at least one fantasy star, the final boss is basically this. <laughs> uh, but like Final Fantasy X also does this, where like you know you kill Sin 75 percent of the way through the game, and you've still got to deal with everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like it there as well. And they both like then what happens after really recontextualizes that. Uh, and the reveal of like, no, this was all a shadow war between you and the dragons, but there is no compute. There is no, like one of them's more moral. Just one of them will win. That's like evolution, right? One of them will be the dominant species and one of them won't. There is no like moral <laughs> to be found there. That's just being alive. Uh, and I really like the apathy, uh, towards that entire conflict. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the final like heroic speech when Shala wakes up is basically like, there's there's no utter there's no inherent meaning to life because life is just like beings living and dying in a cycle for dominance and what do you do with that you just kind of got to live it because you can't there's no individual solving the problem of evolution being the driving force of (laughs) beings existing in the world yeah and then you get to like the actual ending which i because initially i was a little i I like the dinosaur stuff more than the charlotte stuff because then charlotte's thing is like okay things exist but i fall into nihilism i have to save the nihilism like it's no i've this is the other plot you've already done the one part about killing fate now you're doing the other plot about falling into <laughs> darkness um uh and I, I initially i was like ah oh, this is a bit of a pat way to wrap it up but then when like the bubble pops and you wake up back on the island and there is no answer i was like fuck this is, yeah. this is a masterpiece when <laughs> when you wake up back on the island and it's just like this is just a story it was he was just a dreaming it like it, it was nothing it was just you know uh this is what a jrpg is you're not going to tell you how to fix the world you just wake up and have to then go and live your life uh it was incredible that like final cutscene reveal um which is i I guess similar to like final fantasy one's time leave ending you know you don't remember it uh but it was in your heart all along Uh, it was great i think i mean the thing thing there for me is that like in many ways the ending of this game gestures to a thing i like in fiction where the 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 story turns to you and goes 
don't worry about like Serge figuring this out because he's not going to. He's going to go enjoy a summer vacation with his childhood friend. They're going to get married or whatever. Who cares? Uh, we're the, the curtain is closing on them. Yeah. You still have to ruminate on all the things that we've been bringing up and have to come to your own decisions that are not authored by me, Masato Kato, writing a video game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you also do get the, in a way that worked on me when I was a kid, uh, but it is still kind of cheesy. You, you get the like literalized version of it of like kid in Tokyo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the fucking end of Ava yeah. live action kid looking for you, the player, basically, um, because that's the person that she formed the connection with, not the surge that now mm. no longer remembers her uh, is very, uh, is very goofy. It's very like of the media of its era. Uh, Jackson immediately shouted out the end of Metal Gear Solid 2. And I immediately thought it's the same cutscene. Yes, no, it is. It is. It is. And the entire same like thematic apparatus. The, the, yes. This game is literally doing Metal Gear Solid 2, but not being as like, uh, it's not being a showy about it. It's not like, yeah. oh, we're like metatextually tearing down video games. But fundamentally, it is doing the yes. same thing and asking the same questions and, of the player. Yeah. Well, it's also doing the same like reactions to like existential despair that Evangelion's about. And I just think it's better yes. than Evangelion the same thing also. Yeah. This is a thing that I said for a long time. And I'm glad that you said, Jackson, because some people have looked at me like I'm crazy. But I'm like, part of me playing, like, I, I like Metal Gear Solid 2 a lot. Part of me playing it Fantastic. and it not hitting in quite the same way is I'm like, I already played Chrono Cross. Like, like somebody already did this. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, a lot of things did this. Yeah. It's not like a yeah. <laughs> fundamentally unique thing. Um, but uh, it is great. It is really good. And I, I think that, like, there's definitely stuff in Chrono Cross here that's uh, much better than in uh, MGS2, which is like, I think MGS2 has the like heightened ludicrous action nonsense like you know this game doesn't have revolver ocelot screaming everything at you <laughs> yes um but i think the like comparison between ride and throwing off the dog tags uh and new york waking in in the in the world is like i don't think that's as good as the quietness on the beach i think the quietness on the beach is like some of the that's just superlative shit you just wake up on the beach and it's it's the day again like whatever it's it's nothing it's perfect it's, mm, yeah it's so good um for me um this is just moving along from this i do like uh like the game ending on the beach where it begins where it ends like the final boss is just on the beach if you play new game plus you go back to the beach to play to fight the final boss throughout the story uh to get the other endings um i love anytime the like child chrono marl and uh luca show up to yell at you about engaging with the plot <laughs> I yeah. uh, like the first time when you meet me gal and they're like, yeah, we, we saved the world and then died it will pretty much at like three years later or whatever. Um, yes. Uh, and at the end or they, they explain that this whole thing was mostly for one. They drop all the lore on you about links being your dad, uh, which is very silly. Cat dad. Um, yeah. Um, but mostly are like, yeah, no, this is the, the end of our existence is to finish this time loop and get shala back because that's what that's the one thread we left hanging and even if our timeline is erased at that point it's really unclear what happens to the world of chrono trigger from chrono trigger after you do all this stuff i assume it still falls right um yeah in some ways like everything you do when when you get the true ending you are just like making it so chrono trigger can happen um, mm -hmm. you've just like separated Shala off so that now like Chrono and, you know, Marl and the whole party can go and defeat, uh, Lavos and, you know, not have to like kill Shala, um, or. What's weird. Cause like in Shala, the state of the end know. of Chrono, at the end of Chrono Trigger, Shala's lost in the time stream, right? Like yeah. it, it, it isn't, it isn't clearly parsable, um, in that way where like, 
because at the end, Lavos is defeated in Chrono Trigger, but Shala's lost and uh, Magus was still looking for her. Um, yes. And, and like, Radical oh. Dream is explicitly about like, Shala, faced with the trauma of everything that happened, was reborn into Kid as a blank slate that she wanted, uh, and Magus like noses and is like protecting her, right? Like that's like the dark sequel. Well, uh, it's weird because you get to you get to the letter Lucas. Like if you go and uh, talk to Lucia after, like right before you go to Terra Tower, she has a letter to Kid from Luca that is like Luca. Like someday I know someone from a world that we like a future we shut down will come and seek revenge on us and kill us the Chrono Trigger characters will have to pay for the things we did to time um but thankfully someone will be there to look for you and then like I, maybe he's already there uh you know Yanis uh hi I hope you're reading this and you're like that motherfucker never showed up he's not in this video game <laughs> whatever happened to him he is also lost and I know like you know he was meant to be in here um and they didn't they ended up not pulling the trigger but I like the fact that she's looking for a connective character uh who just never materialized something happened to him he's on his own quest somewhere else uh just not there yeah the character guile was originally planned to be him and i think it was smart to make him not uh and yes. just have him be a guy who you can miss <laughs> uh, yes. even within this game it's weird because like knowing that i feel like the radical dreamers version of that same character is so clearly that guy right mm -hmm. that is that is yanis who found kid uh, and yeah, that's just that's not just that's just not the vibe in Chrono Trigger in Chrono Cross, and I think it's better for it. Yeah, much. Yeah. Um, it also adds to like, you know, especially on this playthrough, um, I was hit with some of the reason why this game uh, meant a lot to me as a kid, which is like you do that orphanage on fire uh, segment, um, and it's just like kid grappling with like uh, everybody I love just keeps leaving me, um, and to specifically have this this like. Like, even when she wakes up, she's like, oh, yeah, I just, like, black out sometimes and, like, lose where I am. Don't worry about it. In a way where I'm like, girl, you're having, like, trauma attacks. <laughs> um, and just having all that stuff be, like, this sort of, like, op you don't have to go and save a uh, kid from the orphanage. That's entirely optional. There's so much stuff in this game that you can just miss if you just choose not to do it or, you know, uh, miss a little thing suggesting that you should go and do this. Um and so to even have, like, you as the player are the one who is like, I am going to go get Kid out of, like, uh, and you know, go back to the orphanage, which is a thing. How much is that, like, you're literally doing it? Or how much is it, like, trying to pull her out of that, that moment that she's stuck in in that, uh, in that scene? Um, I think the game posits that it's, like, you're literally traveling back in time and saving her. Uh, yeah. But there's, there's like, I mean, metaphorical it's a, it's a resonance there. It's a reflection of when Luca went back in time to save her mom from the same building, right? Because yeah. it literally has you put in the same code in the uh, in the clock if you want to. Yeah, it's when I know. So here's the other thing I know is that like I when I hear people talk about Chrono Cross, they're like, "Oh, it was it was it was good, uh, but it shouldn't have been a Chrono Trigger sequel. It had nothing to do with Chrono Trigger." And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about? It's like it's explicitly, extremely a sequel to Chrono Trigger. One of the big pop moments is." We've recreated actual scenes from Chrono Trigger and you're in the, you know, the top down angle. Like, we just couldn't do sprite tiles because the PS1 can't do sprite tiles, yeah. right? Like, pretty much exactly the same here. Oh, if they, uh, if they made this game today, you'd actually, you'd absolutely go back and it would be like a sprite version of Surge running around. It'd be much worse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they would do the whole, it'd be the whole different thing and not just like, it's the same screens, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, man, and that moment's it, excellent. Gato canonically eating shit and burning alive. Uh, rip to him. <laughs> that bit rules. Uh, uh, and then you, you know, you get your Harahi time loop with a kid. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To me, that's the other thing. Is I mean, I played Chrono Cross. I I loved it. I ended up playing Chrono Trigger. Um. I started playing it like a year or two before the the DS version came out um oh, yeah. and then when it was announced i was like playing it through really old emulators where it didn't quite run right all the time and stuff uh and so i dropped it like halfway through um i think I, honestly more than halfway but at the time i thought i was halfway through um and then i played through all of it on uh ds because there's also the stuff going around that there's going to be like some additional stuff linking it to Chrono across um and after i did that i was like because I, I had just been hearing people being like oh it's a great game if you pretend it's not a sequel and it's just its own thing. And this is the really common um, thing that people will say about the game. Uh, I think we even got it in some emails. Um, and I, and I just think that like, especially once I became aware of that, like Chrono Cross is also a game that is about, um, they made Chrono Trigger. It was hailed like even at its time as like this masterpiece. They were like this dream team. Uh, people, everybody wondered what they're, you know, what's Chrono Trigger 2 going to be? I think there's like this way of like, uh, even at the time, what video game sequels meant. And so it is like a, a thing reflecting on what it means to make a sequel to a video game and trying to mm-hmm. assert like a different way of approaching sequels that is like, not about recapitulating, but instead about like developing and questioning and like providing in a way that also extremely makes sense for, for Chrono Trigger being about traveling through time. This is going to like dial down more into, uh, here are all these choices being made, but like, what are the other choices? How, how could things have gone differently? Um, and so I think it's like, a game that's deeply engaged with what it means to make a sequel to another game. Uh, and it, it's constantly thinking about that and reflecting on it. Um, and this is why in my head, I also put it in, in conversation with like, uh, you know, metal gear solid Two because it's like, yeah, you, you play like a character who nobody cares about, <laughs> um, from the, you know, not in the original game, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like he's they they keep hinting that he might be a chosen one. And he like, I guess kind of is, but only because he ended up... It could have been anyone. Anyone could have been in that storm. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it doesn't matter. He's just a guy. He yeah. just got, had a bad day one time. Uh, <laughs> and it was an accident. And also, it, it sucks yeah. to be the chosen one. It really sucks to be the chosen one. Is the, the other thing here. Um, uh, yeah. It sucks even more to be uh, the chosen one of the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Justice oh, you mean, for Harl. You mean Harl? Yeah. I mean... It's, it's Harlequin, right? So I assume it's Harley, even though it's just an E. No, I mean, I think it's Harl. Is it not Harl? I'm pretty sure it's Harl. I went to check the, the Katakana and it's a different name in Japanese, so. Oh, yeah. right. Yes. Um, that. It's like Tsukuyomi. I have the, the yeah. art book, which I did bring in here, and it has all the Japanese names in it. Tsukuyomi really kind of uh, tips a hand as to what's going on with her. Yeah. Uh, right oh, I name. wonder who this random clown called Dark Moon God is. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, uh, but she fucking rules. She's Harl, so Harl's good. my favorite character. I didn't yeah. think she yeah. would, like, land for you, and I'm really glad she did. Um, well, were you worried that she wouldn't? I just didn't think she'd be, like, the character you clearly think is the best one in the way I do. Um, evident. The best moment in the game is when... 
uh, Hal asks, like, uh, hey, would, hey, if you had to choose between the world or me, who would you choose? And then you just say, well, the, the world, obviously, because you're like, you're, <laughs> I just feel like the position that Hal and Serge have been uh, in at this point, I guess Lynx, uh, has been this, like, fun banter. Yes. Uh, and so I, like, chose that thinking I was just roasting my friend. Uh, and then the next scene is her, like, being, like, really emotionally sad about this, like, trying to talk to Starkey about it. Uh, and then she's also not in your party anymore after that. Yeah. And you're like, wait fuck in that moment even if you say you uh she's yes. i forget the exact line but it's basically like you're a really bad liar <laughs> um good yeah, yeah. So I, I assume it would still go along that way because like that's clearly the intent of the thing is like you're roasting with her but hal knows stuff about the plot that you don't and also like is clearly aware this connection isn't you know the she's not the main character of the video game <laughs> yes yeah. i mean the thing i like about her is she's meant like she is one aspect of the Reptite's, you know, god figure that is actively in a, like, thousands of years plan to enact vengeance on mammals, right? Yeah. Um, yes. And has always is always aware of that. Um, but just has been, because all the other dragons are off being dragons, like, in a cave somewhere, uh, because she's been the, like, secret agent operating among humans, just has been around long enough to have an affection for all these people that she has to destroy, um, and has like instrumentize that mostly on her affection for surge and she's like this is the guy i have to like is the thing i have to destroy um but in doing so i've kind of fallen for him which doesn't change her ability to fall for like to do to pull the trigger when it's necessary but she does feel really bad about it she yeah. really doesn't want to have to do this but she will do it <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean the stuff i saw with uh hall was great was like the entire thing about the um uh, dinosaurs like plan right is revolves around humans were allowed to exist and dinosaurs went extinct because of Lavos. Uh, and there's this like, you know, bitterness around that and their future got wiped out. Um, which makes total sense. But then like Hal spends time around people and just like sees people also split into like groups yes. uh, of rulers and people who are under them and oppression and everything. Just like that just keeps happening. It doesn't it's not like, oh <laughs> uh then once the dinosaurs went, then all the humans benefited, right? Like uh every society just replicates it, its own like structures uh and uh she's just having a bad time <laughs> yes yeah um the i so the bit where you're playing as links and you're rolling, rolling around and you suddenly like ha are part of the world and people expect things of you and have preconceptions mm -hmm. of you and you you are rolling with harl who's really like just like cares about your understanding of things and wants you to like do good and be good and be all right uh, i'm like I just want to live in the world where Lynx and Harl stay together forever and fuck the time shit. Who cares? Uh, and I love <laughs> that, that there's an actual, the yeah, you there's an actual ending yeah. about this. It's so good. Yes, yeah, so they just live in, in the, the, the uh, marble, which is like the, the beast people uh, island, and just kind of live there as their defenders. And the, the like sage is like, I'm going to retire someday, Lynx, and you can take over the island. Uh, of course, that's fucked up by a uh, kid running in to try to murder you again. Yeah. My, my like uh, personal version because uh, I've played this game so many times, um, I there's a way that you can like save a character uh, when you do new game plus stuff, so that next mm -hmm. playthrough you automatically have them. And uh, over time, I had like played it so much, I didn't do it this time. I just like started a new file because otherwise I'm just overpowered and everything. I wanted to like experience the game through the first time uh, again, but uh, I had just done that where I had like all characters, which I think is like possibly 30 playthroughs or something i mean some of them are like you you do it really early on in the the cycle but um and with all of that like i think my my favorite like my 
uh internal version of this is like surge goes through all of that kind of like you're free to live your life now at the end of the game um and then just like goes through the cycle again to like stay as links and be with like get that ending where it's just links and harl um and you're still gonna have to deal with stuff but um i think it's my favorite of the new game plus endings um yeah I'm also, while we're talking about characters, uh, I just want to send this from the, the art book that I have. Um, it's mm. all in Japanese, but it is a character relationship chart in the front. Oh my God. Um, oh no. Which is so like, uh, you know, for main, like I know with Harl, uh, it is, um, like loyal to links and then interested in surge. Um, mm-hmm. but the stuff that I think is especially funny is that you just get to like, you get like Starkey and, uh, Harl and there's like friends, like with a yeah, question just mark. friends, question mark. <laughs> and then there's just like a bunch of other people with Starkey that just have no relationship. You got the, you got Mojo well, or, um. Like Draggy, Draggy makes sense because Draggy is literally a reincarnation of one of the dragons, yeah. right? Like. <laughs> you just got the mushroom, the guy who just spent too long eating mushrooms and turned into a mushroom. Just chilling there unrelated yes. other than in the same box with Starkey. <laughs> Uh, it's very funny. I found I went the wrong way when I was just trying to get to Viper Mana. I just found him. I was like, yeah. I guess I have a mushroom guy now. What a great game. <laughs> you'll you'll never use that guy again. <laughs> uh no. No, I will not. Um Yeah. Uh Harl's my Harl's my favorite. I I love her so much. Uh it's great. Yeah. Especially like I appreciate that there's no saving her. She's going to go off and become the, the dragon, right? Yeah. Uh yeah. Um, some people just, even though she doesn't want to, even though she, she likes Surge, she, it is in her nature to be the thing that she is and do the thing that she set out to do and she will do it. And I appreciate that. There's so many, like, in the bad version of this plot, right, uh, which happens a lot in like Final Fantasy twelve or some shit, where you introduce a bunch of gods that have like controlled things uh, and you have to go, you know, stop stop meddling with our life you know any of the we have to kill fate plots uh so often it's about like we have to do like oh i don't these things don't define me because uh i'm still me and you can't control me just like generic stuff whereas like here it's mostly like that's a lie right that's like fate is one thing part of one million different things everyone you can't change how you're born it's like a fundamental part of chrono cross is you can't actually change your circumstances you cannot kill like the specter of context right yeah um it's really specific about that uh, you can't like find a way to like uh escape the things that are like materially just you know defining your existence uh and i really appreciated that yeah uh but also like to the point of because i think a big thing is despite all of that there's still like this amount of you just have to live your life and like value mm-hmm. the connections you make and everything. And this is the part where, um, cause there is this massive cast of characters. They said this relationship chart. Um, and most of them are like, especially if you just like recruit them and you don't keep them around. Um, they really just feel like this is just, and some of them are the, the mushroom guy is pretty much a stock stereotype thing or whatever, you know, he's a pun as a character. <laughs> Um, cause he's yes. named fun guy in, in English. Um, pretty good joke. Yeah. Pretty good pun. Um, <laughs> but 
if you have characters in your party and you're going around and you're like specifically having them go talk to other people that they might have relationships with, like exploring the space and taking people there, um, going into events, especially on like replays where you're like, okay, like I know that I'm going to encounter, you know, the other world Norris here. And so I'm going to put, uh, Hitler youth Norris in my party. Um, <laughs> while as part of a plot, we encounter the other one, it's going to like color things and change things. There are ways that you can like avoid fights. Um, and, and by that, you mean he's going to give you your level seven tech. <laughs> yeah. You can also get the level seven, seven tech. And this is also a game that has like an, a mass amount of, um, you know, everyone's like ultimate weapon that you fuse with rainbow, uh, shells, which is a whole process to get, uh, especially to get the shiny material. You have to like do summons to do that. Uh, but also the shells are hard to get, um, getting everyone's like tech skill. Uh, some people just automatically get it, but other people, you have to like do some side quest. Um, but all of that stuff is like, uh, extremely optional in a way that, uh, is so optional that it resists the like impulse that a lot of people have with RPGs, which is like, I need to see all of the side content. Um, because it truly becomes like, how much do you just care about? Like, I care a lot about Orla in a way that I'm sure like, I don't even know if either of you recruited Orla, um, but I like her as a character and there's not that much around her, but you get like a little bit in Goldove and there's a part if you take her to the, the other world where she can like talk to her sick sister um, who in the world that she's from like went missing or possibly died. And it's like the reverse in the other world. Um, I did recruit her, but I never yeah. used her because at that point I was really set in my party. <laughs> and part of my like uh, attachment that I have to her is... I just like that, like, sadness of, like, going to another world where, like, the other sister was lost and just having this moment of, like, briefly connecting and both, like, the other sister being vaguely aware that this is not her sister. This is, like, another version of her sister, but it's not the one that she lost herself. Like, something is going on there. Uh, it's just, like, a very sad scene in this, like, quiet and off to the side way. Um, and like even kid one of the main characters there's so much stuff where like the this the game structure gives you the option to not care about her and move on um or to care about her and like you know go rescue her from the orphanage choose to like go get the hydra humor um which does i think lengthen the game a little bit you like have more content there um yeah. i mean like um when I was talking about, uh, you know, to me, just in general about playing Final Fantasy VII as a kid, you would just play it, right? You would play it, you'd finish it, and you'd load up a new game because you don't have another game, and it's Final Fantasy VII. It's a great game. Yeah. It's summer. Um, what am I going to do? I'm going to play Final Fantasy VII through three times. Yeah. <laughs> and Chrono Cross seems like a game just like fully designed for that. Like, oh, this time I'm going to take these characters and I'll see these different things. And it, like, there are a lot of permutations of things you can see and things you can miss. Um, and I deliberately did not play this game with a guide because, like, I, when I played Ten Two with a guide, I saw everything. And I think it's a fantastic game. Um, but it actively hurt my moment-to-moment enjoyment of what I think was a fucking masterpiece, uh, because I just couldn't just like let myself settle into what happening happening. And this time I managed to do it, uh, and I think despite missing a lot of content, like it, you, you don't. The game is designed with so much slop, right? You can basically always, because of how um, the battle system is, uh, you know, it's not really about XP, and it's like more puzzle solving. Uh, you can usually figure your way out of any problem um you can't miss anything so dramatic that it's gonna like ruin the rest of your playthrough uh and you know what it can get kind of hard when i uh lost hal uh right before i had to do the side quest that uh, was like all right take out all the dragons 
and then I just didn't have my like. I was like, oh, yeah. great. Because those bosses were way harder than anything I fought before. And suddenly my party's gutted because I haven't put anyone else up to the right level. So that time did, did fuck me up. But apart from that, I was like, I didn't feel uh, like I got ambushed by the game. I feel like it just wants to give you the space to mess about. Yeah. Um, yeah, the few missable things are just like, if you get the like sunglasses and the, uh, Master Mune and you put them on Surge, it's just like the game is a cakewalk from there. It's like specifically, it just makes the game easier. Um, but it's still entirely beatable. You don't feel like you like really missed, like it truly is like, once you get the sunglasses and the Master Mune on Surge, the best strategy is to just like keep casting Eagle Eye on him and then just like, uh, hit, like just do the, the three strength attack because you're going to do like the over 500 at every hit. Um, sometimes more. So, uh, <laughs> uh, do we have any more like character stuff before we like pivot into talking about the, um, yeah. So a couple things. Well, one, um, I do think it's interesting. Like you played without a guy, but you still got the master Mune and you still saw the Starkey Harl Farrow, which are the two missables. I'm like, these are things that you should see. It's really important to see yeah. everything about the Dragoon Knights. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't like play with the guy, but I did the, the master Mune one was me like making sure that I was like, what's the um, pendant for? Cause I, I was looking around for stuff. Okay. Um, so that one I did just accidentally run into like by looking up but the Starkey I just like yep oh here's a guy here's a weird guy that one I did run into organically yeah um, um, so that one was very fortunate for me so um trying to figure out how to pivot to this the, the thing it's interesting is the Dragoon Knights are like in another game they are the villain squad right like it's like all the, the six generals of the Eva Empire and and uh general vipers at the head and Lynx's right-hand man who ends up usurping him and taking over like I literally played like half dozen games to have this I exact mean, plot and it's good ff9 is coming out in the same year and you've got like steiner on your team and kuja's there yes right like literally yes. doing basically the same stuff yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not complaining i think this is like one of the good classic yes, no. rpg plots um but you you and and the world in which they they inhabit like you go that you go to termina and the fairs there even though there's like these evil guys running around and the knights all have their big grand strategy like tragedy um and it's all good. Like they are, they are the main villains of a different RPG. Um, and then you go to the other world and you like hear rumblings of Pore, but that's kind of it. You go to the other world and Termina has just been overrun by Pore soldiers. And literally everyone is living under like a state of fascism. Like Pore is, is a fascist nation. Yeah. <laughs> Norris is, is like a fucking little Hitler youth guy. <laughs> He's absolutely is that like the signifiers are there for that. And um, also they took and- over cause they have guns. Like, yeah, they took over because they have guns. Yes. Um, and, uh, like, it's all really uncomfortable and weird. And, like, Pore in Chrono Trigger is just, like, Kingdom 2. That's not as cool as Kingdom 1, right? Um, and I know the DS version adds, like, one little cutscene that, like, tries to bridge Chrono Trigger into Chrono Cross uh, in a way that's really stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. Um, Wait, what's the addition? Um, Dalton, the, like, general of Zeal, gets in... The, there's a brief... Where he steals the, uh, epoch at one point, and, mm-hmm. uh, they added a scene where he, like, swears vengeance, and the idea is he went to Pore and militarized them more rapidly, and that's why Pore is, like, a weird fascist state. Uh... Okay, you don't need that. Yeah, you don't need it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> anyway, um... Uh... But then, like, even so, you're like, oh, well, then Pori is the real problem, and like, it's just Links that's the deal, that's the issue. Um, but when Link steals your body, he immediately gets his like fit back. Um, he goes, like, he goes and gets his Links outfit, but it's even more like SS pirate. Like, that's literally his vibe as as evil Surge. He is he's got fucking death's head black leather insignias. It's like really yeah. weird <laughs> in which the ways like 
all of the villains are like fascist coded. Um, and then you get to Chronopolis and you realize that Chronopolis is like a thousand, 10,000 years eugenics experiment on the on the island where like literally the when the when time crash happened and Chronopolis was sent back, everyone was like mind wiped and sent to populate the island chain. Right. And displace all of the beast people and dwarves and every like magical creature that lived there um, with their descended technology. Like all the save points are literally Chronopolis like data gathering cubes and everyone's lives are nudged in the direction necessary. And it just like depicts this like this almost inescapable tendency towards like, you know, fascist states among humans in a way that feels very relevant in the world we live in. You're just like, man, everywhere you turn is like some different version of an evil fascist guy, whether it's Balthazar uh, who means well, but is still that guy or uh, Lynx, who is, uh, you know, an evil overlord computer who's still tied into the Balthazar stuff, uh, but taking his own direction or Pore, who's just evil guys all the way down. Um, it's just really uh, striking to me the ways in which the game is like low key about that at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the only healthy like society we see is the um, uh, marble, right? Like the the yeah. the beast tribe island. There's marble. You... There's like the fairy village. Um, but they're I not think... humans, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I think the um, the uh, Goldov the we're like oh, Goldov, yeah, yeah, yeah Goldov oh, is like it's it's really like the idea that like the industrialization and technologization of humanity is the evil is part of the evil, which I don't entirely believe. Right. Um, no, but this but game they, definitely they, posits that is like one of the main reasons. It's extremely like Lord of the Rings brain. About yes. It. Yeah. Uh, in the, one of the most fraught and I think interesting like side quests, but often like has opened itself up to more criticism because of how it's handled is the uh, stuff with the um, SS, whatever, what's his wife's name? Zalbus. Uh, Zalbus. Uh, and uh the 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 beast kind on the ship and like it's a quest about slave he's running a slave ship um yes to like to a point of explicitness that was like refreshing because they're like no humans came to this island they needed labor they took it from here uh by like not even by like you know gunpoint there was enough coercive threats that got them to realize that it was in their best interest to get on this boat and work for this guy uh and i'm like okay that's like considered about the ways in which like uh people uh, from imperial states like force others to work with them without you know they have to kill them to do that and it's still just as violent um but then the problem is like one guy got too sad one time and you have to make him happy and fix it <laughs> um i think putting it all on um fargo's like depression is a little frustrating and undercuts how uh mostly considered it is it's weird because uh, like um you didn't have nikki because you grabbed guile instead right yeah, you know, but, but Nikki still came along to do the yeah. oh, ten right. thousand okay. words scene. We still got that. <laughs> yeah, but um, there is more stuff if you have Nikki, Nikki in your party because I okay. had Nikki in my party for the early part of the game about Nikki encountering Fargo and clearly being at a loss to what to do with this guy when it becomes increasingly clear that he's like because he starts off thinking that he's like involved with what happened to his family. It turns out he's his dad, right? And he just doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. Yes. Um. But yes, it is. It is definitely like loaded. It is once you once you solve the like get out of there. It is funny. You like liberate half of the the slaves in his ship and just put them in your party to be your slaves on your bench forever. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean like this game is not really engaging with the language of like what an RPG party is. Yes, yeah. uh, presaging twenty years of Isekai about how your your party are slaves. Yes. Uh, uh, um, but it, it it is interesting. I think that stuff's like m- mostly decent. It gets a little, uh, looks like it gets a little fraud in the middle there. 
um but i do i do like going to the island and playing the you know he comes out and does the big song on the boat and the performance and uh i think that's great yeah yeah um i i do one thing i do like in chrono cross is when people join your party but you don't like actually put them in your crew uh they just are like oh i'll be here then i guess yeah, the, and the funniest one is when uh you recruit recruit uh Korcha, um and he's just like oh you don't want me around right now uh but you do need my boat i guess i'm just gonna jump into the sea and, and swim away <laughs> It's he so swims funny. back to Goldov, even though I was going to take the boat back to Goldov immediately. I yeah. had stuff to do there. <laughs> it's just like I, I can give you a ride. Like, <laughs> uh, it's really good. Yeah, because <laughs> sometimes you leave people in like the weirdest possible places. You're like, like I hatched Draggy in the basement of Fort Dragonia, and I was like, no, I'm not taking you. I don't need this stupid dragon around. And he's like, oh, I'm just gonna chill here. I'll wait maybe for the other eggs to hatch or whatever. And it's like, buddy, there are no other eggs. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. The. Uh, the system being like it's a teleporter, right? So like everyone's living their life, but you can call upon them when needed. Yes, um, is a good way of solving it. So you're not like for- <laughs> I was thinking about at the end of the game the uh, Lost Odyssey cutscene where it's the- you fight the final boss, but they've drawn the entire party just walking into one guy's house. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like 15 guys walking up, like, "Hey, what's up?" Chrono <laughs> uh, Cross never does that with 48 dudes. Yeah. They should. It'd be so funny. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, like, this, this, I mean, this was like a thing of the RPGs of this era, um, right, um, where um, you, you get to speak it in where, like, everyone's hanging out at the castle. You've got all 108 guys. They're just chilling because you've established, like, a base for them. And there's, like, a certain energy to that that definitely isn't here. And to be fair, it'd be really weird if Surge had a castle full of all 48 guys or 45 guys you gathered in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this game is just, like, deeply uninterested in the, like. Yes fantasy nation building stuff it's not a game about like kings it's uh, and princes and wars the thing that's funny about this is that like the bones are there for it dario going up like i'll rebuild uh viper manor viper manor could be your crib for your whole party if in a different game yeah. right yes they could absolutely have taken that that way you could be bravely default building it up in a yes. mini game that'll be shut down in 10 years yeah uh but the other thing i like with it too is how many people you put in your party where it kind of feels like they're just like yeah, I'll come along with you because it seems like what you're doing is kind of important. And also I can like do my own thing. Um, yeah, there's the, there's the like artist kid who's trying to make money for his like family yeah. who joins you um, in Termina. And I like put him on my and there's like a whole big introduction to this guy. It's like, oh, his dad's an artist and they're, they're getting shaken down by criminal elements to pay money. And he's like, I'm going to go explore the world and get money to be able to, you know, pay for my family i'm like sorry kid i'm never seeing you again <laughs> you were going on the bench and i will never look at your face ever again i do wonder how many because like a lot of characters come in with like really interesting setups and like really good like genuinely emotional like short scenes of the, you know, the piano plays and you get a little snappet of their lives mm-hmm. uh, they're really good at, like giving characterization and emotion to these party members very quickly um but i wonder like how many of those have payoffs like is there a side quest where i can then uh get enough money for them to like uh you know deal with that problem is that does that exist it could exist in the game i have no idea there's something like little variant yeah. things where it could go either way and uh there's just no way to necessarily know unless you're going to play the game 40 times and explore literally every interactable object the only the only thing i know of is i know there's like a whole mechanic around pip like evolving into mm-hmm. different color types which i did not engage with at all yeah um and it's based on what elements you use and then you'll like get to divide into um like an angel or like a a devil version um and then if you basically continue using the same color often it'll just like 
level up but if you like switch over so like say you're using a lot of white and then you switch over to a lot of black um it'll then go into this like middle like uh fairy form um but pip was one of my favorite when i was a kid uh so i i you know first time through saw all of the different like changes all the different evolutions uh pipolutions um (laughs) and then uh you know, in subsequent uh, subsequent playthroughs, like checked out all the other ones, but um, it is just such like a little small side thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I've definitely have like settled into some of my like favorite ones to to go after. Um, yeah, and a lot of it is it's not even necessarily that's like the best emotional content. It's just like I've developed weird relations with some characters. Uh, again, like Orla, I think is one of the most like uh, there's so little around her. She's such a like incidental very late game character you can recruit uh i just really like the little like side scene if you go see her sick sister so um the thing with her is when like i got her because i was i was following a guide and i wanted to recruit everyone who i could potentially recruit in the game um which meant interacting with like the monster arena i was like fuck this sucks (laughs) um (laughs) if you um, if you have the forget me not pot on surge early on you'll get some some good ones yeah guess what i didn't it fucking sucked um but um when I saw her, I was like, oh, in a different game, she would be like one of my favorite party members because she's the Tifa, right? She's like a cool pugilist like character. And I always like those kind of party members. Yeah. Um, but you get her so late and I'm like, I already have my squad. I'm, there's no room for you. I'm sorry. Um, um, I feel like my, but, um, my standard party usually when I play, uh, this mm-hmm. varies when like Harl's around and then you you do kind of get like... Uh, put into having two black and eight characters although on new game plus you can trade out the main character and have a party of all like you know you don't need search or or links in your combat party um and then i'll just have like uh kid or harl be like the main character for those segments as much as i can um but uh usually my standard is like having a red and eight because um kid is just like indispensable when you have her as like a party member for a lot of the game, uh, cause of the steel function early on. Um, yes. And then yeah, I, I mean, played a lot of the first half with them, um, kid and Mel, and we we're just double stealing as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the, I'll usually have a blue and eight just to kind of like balance out and have a, usually blue and eight is going to be a decent healer. Um, and then, you know, it, it becomes swapped when you get Fargo and Fargo is your stealer and you need to get all the plates from the dragon. So it's like, OK, well, Fargo's in the party. Now I need like a red and eight to balance out. Um, no, but- I was I was rolling. I was rolling, uh, you know, for that whole section is Fargo, Lynx and Harl. Um, <laughs> well, once you're finding the, was... the dragons, Harl's not helping with that. So that's where I get the red and eight. Well, right. let me tell you, Harl was, I mean, no, no, no the dragons, you're right. Yeah. The dragons, Harl was not helping. I didn't know that was coming up. Yeah. Um. So I couldn't prepare for that. But like in terms of the innate structure for the second half of the game, I was like, well, I've got two black innate, so I can just turn that field black real fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I don't need anyone else. Um, I can just cast wild, like feral cats and uh, freefall and everyone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I mostly switched to Starkey for that. Cause I think Starkey's like a genuinely cool character. I like his whole vibe. He's some yeah. giant robots. <laughs> Starkey's great. Yeah. I mean, it makes me sad that I'm not like, um, you know that I, i'm almost 30 and i'm just playing a new game every couple of weeks yes because uh, i would love to just go through this game and experiment experiment with the party members and see what everything's like because like i mean i guess we're going to finally two hours in talk about mechanics um <laughs> but uh i thought this battle system was genuinely excellent a lot of the time uh my so my it, main complaint and it's still my complaint is 
because it is such a late PlayStation game, it is is notoriously slow just in terms yes. of like selecting things from a menu. Every time you have to do your basic three hit combo, like waiting the split second for the game to recalculate your hit chances in between your combos um, just feels laborious. And part of that is um, either enemies are incredibly simple and you should just like i don't want to have to fight thankfully you can avoid stuff if this game made you fight random battles it would literally be intolerable no one would like it um, i genuinely <laughs> feel that's true and I'm, I'm a fan of random battles overall um in history um but it just wouldn't work with this battle system because um i feel like a lot of the battles other than the boss fights i think the boss fights are almost universally excellent are just kind of laborious it's just kind of a pain in the ass to get set up for everything um for a battle that's only going to last like three turns. Yeah. I mean, so, so this is the thing that like, ultimately uh, the game I think of most when I think of this game's like combat design is Final Fantasy 13. Which yeah, is that makes sense. Version of this that they do later uh, of like, that is also a game with less focus on like leveling up. I mean, they, they have, they still got like the Crystarian there. They have but, way more of a level system level this game up, was, yes. Yeah, yeah. But you basically level up when you hit bosses and like, yeah. you unlock the new Crystarium tier at the same point, which is similar enough to the star system. And it also has like, encounters designed mostly around puzzles um mm. and it's much easier to get health back in 13 it's free but in this game you get like if you've got enough element charges left over you can heal back it's back. really easy to heal in this game thank yeah. god <laughs> so it basically puts every battle as a little puzzle yeah. um and the bosses are often designed to like take advantage of okay you've got this many tiers at this time and you can uh set up your elements in this way and they're often really interesting and good uh but it does mean that fighting like the random guys around the map uh can get really boring because once i've killed the like setup of guys once i know exactly what to do i do the same thing every time uh it's boring yeah. the worst uh, dungeon in this game is the one where you've got to kill like 13 guys on a looping map it's i was like this is the worst thing i've ever done i yeah. hate this so much because basically i at this point i play the game avoiding most enemies i mean occasionally i'll still run into I one play. and that... i i will fight them um also, unless 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 the guide was explicitly being like, hey, you can steal this like good element from these enemies. I was avoiding enemies almost the entire game. Yeah. Um, and you can even the first one that gets kind of annoying is Viper Manor because like uh, there's stuff that will ambush you and you need to like figure out the ways to avoid that fight more. Um, but I think it's like especially the first time I played through is like the first time I got really I got a little bit frustrated with the combat system um and yeah then to fight the green dragon having to defeat all the enemies on the looping map is like why why are you doing this <laughs> um yeah that I understand but I do think like the uh the boss fights and the ways in which it sets you up to like it's basically designed to teach people who've played RPGs by leveling up and beating it pressing the attack button every time to think about a, like a rpg battle system with consideration yeah yes um i do like, i do think it leans a little heavily into decrease their magic increase your abilities and then power up your main guy a little too much as like the yeah. default yeah. action i think 13 is a better attempt at this but at least in the boss fights because like the stagger system allows for a wide variety of like different states you can put enemies into at different speeds uh the just increase the pressure and um dynamic like a, approach to battles yeah uh whereas this is much more like if i get my state right and i get my guys buffed uh i'll probably kill the guys in four turns yeah um and but i, I thought well cool it is <clears throat> i do think it is one like a lot of other uh games that have puzzle like boss fights um mm -hmm. it is just about like solving the puzzle of that boss fight and i do think especially playing chrono cross as a kid what was really useful was it was kind of teaching you 
how to play RPGs in general. I mean, there's the uniqueness of like some of the systems here, but like the basics of like, no buffs and debuffs are actually really important. Um, don't like sleep on those. And I, I think like Miguel's the first one, like if you're not doing buffs and debuffs, when you get to Miguel, you're just going to get like absolutely fucked. Um, that was the lesson as a kid that I learned when I got to, to Miel is like, oh, I need to be doing this. Um, in the same way that like, I think Hydra is the one where you're like, oh, I need to be thinking about like, um, the innate like element and like weaknesses and things that like to have a balanced party. If I'm struggling with a boss, I should probably have somebody who's the same color as the boss. So they're going to take less damage and be the healer and somebody who's going to be like the opposite color and can be the glass tank or, you know, the glass cannon. Um, and I think just like, those are all things that I applied to RPGs going forward where I would know lots of friends who would just grind their way through stuff. And I would, you know, after Chrono Cross, I would play through a game, I would die to a boss, and I would first think, like, is there something I noticed there? Is there a way I can reapproach? Um, and then I would try out something different, and then sometimes I'd still fail and go, oh, it's just a game where I have to grind. Okay. <clears throat> um, but I think it, I do think it's smart about, like, specifically sort of teaching that, that level of, uh, broader RPG strategy. Whereas sometimes the puzzle the ones thing- are like very specifically, can you figure out this combat, which does make a really good game, uh, but it's sort of teaching you a different thing. The two things mechanically I uh, that come out of the same thing is you can run from bosses. And it, mm-hmm. I think this is like, why is why has no one else done this? <laughs> um, because it allows two things. Uh, well, three things. One, you can, if you're having trouble with the boss, you can literally punch out and rebuild your party and go back in and be like, okay, w- now I know what they're going to do. I can build around it faster than letting myself die or resetting the game. Um, two, um, it resets the steel. If you don't get the steel you want or you miss the steel, you can run away and come back to the boss and steal from the boss again. Yeah. Uh, until you get if the you thing. You really you want. want those moon glasses. You do. The thing is, you really fucking do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and three, um, it lets you grind trap elements. <laughs> yeah. This is this is this was my secret to getting through the game. Um, when I because w- I I didn't I don't like the summon system. I think it's too laborious to build up summons, which means I I crafted no rainbow gear. Um, but I did have a lot of levels like you know six and seven elements because on the bosses where you could do it, you can go in. Um, the bosses have really set um attack patterns. Um, to the point where if you're looking at a guide for help on these, uh, they'll just list the different like attack loops that the bosses go through and i'm like well i need i know that by turn four i need to have a volcano trap element out so i can get volcano and i'm gonna run away i'm gonna go back into battle and i'm gonna run play the because you keep the trap elements after you run from the boss so if you find a boss there's like a boss early on in uh, fort dragona that has like three different um trap elements you can just get three of all three of them for your entire party and be fucking set on magic for a long time um and that's what i did (laughs) it helped a lot on like the dragon quest yeah <laughs> yes uh i didn't really engage with the, the trap element stuff because i was just like going through well, first of all i was playing a lot like the last three days yes so, uh was not spending the back half of the game doing the side stuff yeah well i was i, I you know I, I i was i saw a fair amount of the narrative stuff i wanted but i wasn't like okay i'm gonna like build this character and spend an afternoon building characters in the rpg fucking about way right like, yes. on a deadline yeah um and also i i ended up thinking like that probably made the game better uh at least for me, because if I had just grind out the trap elements, I would have just cast the trap elements and then I'd have won the fight. Uh, well, to be fair, I, would... it, I still thought the game was relatively difficult at times. Okay. Um, well, the problem is because I got the the uh, Master Mune, like I thought the the dragon 
quest part where I'm killing yes. all the dragons, that was the peak of like yes. this game. Yes. Fucking difficult. Because once uh, once you have the just the best weapon, it has like a way higher crit rate in general. You just cut through everybody. It's literally you're so OP at that point as your yeah. main character. And then also it doesn't matter that like my other characters are fairly weak because they're mostly casting buffs on surge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um this is a thing too, like having played this game multiple times now that I have just like I now play through being like, okay, I know in order to like fuse rainbow stuff, I should be casting summons early on. And so I just sort of have them like it, you know, I know what enemies to trap them from, like the early game summons. I equip them onto the characters early on, uh, who can take them. Um, and then just like when I get into a fight where you you know, sometimes you'll spawn in and there's like five weak enemies. Um yeah. and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna like set up how to do a summon for this one. You you know, yeah. this is my chance. I'm gonna get five shiny dew here or whatever. Um because the first thing you get really easily is the frog prince. Um and so I just like you know, do that sort of throughout the game. I'm getting that material, but it is a thing that like the game never explains to you really until you get to like the very end uh, okay. and you see shiny do and you're like, well, okay, <laughs> I need to get that was, this. Yeah. That was my thing. I, um, I had was, you know, I had so many rainbow shells that I literally couldn't like, I couldn't pick up anymore. I was like, God damn it. So like when I got the two, two um, blacksmiths together, I'm like, finally, I can use all these rainbow shells I've been stocking. And it was like, you need shiny material. And I was like, I don't have a single piece of shiny anything. What the fuck? And I looked how to do it. And it was like, oh, you, you need to be summoning the entire game together. And I'm like, I'm not going to go grind summon materials. Yeah. Just not happening. I'm going to go finish the video game. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of those things that makes more sense when you're like considering the context of how people play RPGs and PS1 yes. and summons are like the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not. 20 years of people complaining about how long summons take. Well, yeah, that's my thing is like coming off of I played all those PS1 Final Fantasies at the time and summoned all the time. When I play an RPG now with summons, I basically try to never summon because I'm like, I don't want to see the big spell effect that takes a minute and a half. You fucking kidding me? I got a life to live. <laughs> so here, yeah. here's the difference is because I played in the PC version, um, the, the PC version has probably the best speed up feature that's ever been in one of these re-releases. Oh, really? In the Yeah. So if you press the right trigger, uh, your character moves at double speed. Um, and this also increases all the speed of in-battle animations. Okay. Uh, and so basically every battle I'm playing on double speed. And, and it already feels like a eh, fairly slow-paced JRPG. Yeah, yeah I, played <laughs> this on a, I played this on my mister, um, which meant like there were a couple things I could cheese. Like ultimately I got to that battle arena by putting on Can't can't Die because <laughs> uh, I, I recruited the character you get out of the battle arena like right when you can and you don't have any monsters. Oh, yeah. Um, the weird feed the dragons thing, I just gave myself infinite hay. <laughs> that really helped. <laughs> Oh, um, that would help. I mean, for the because um, you can also do slow down, and I think that's in the remaster from the beginning. Um, and that's how you do yes. the the, Wait, the, the th- dragon feeding. Uh, are the speed up and slow down options from the original game? The um, yes, yeah, they're in new, game, new plus. game plus features. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize they were both they were both already in the game. Yeah, because okay, they're implemented with a care that was like this is like when you play like final fantasy 10 right and you, <laughs> you the do the, the two times speed and it looks garbage and yeah. you can't it looks control garbage anything. and all the music speeds up and it's awful and yeah. all, all the sound effects like, uh and it just like sucks um i was like, in 12 was smarter because they didn't speed up the music uh that's true yes that was that's the difference uh, yeah here the, the music stays the same regardless of what yeah what, what speed that's on um which is really good because like if, if you if you ruin the music it'd be ruining the points uh, which is often my problem where they just like slap an emulator two times speed on uh but that makes sense because both uh, 12 and this game, I guess, had them in their original version. Because, like, you know, 12 had the uh, 2 times speed in the Zodiac port on the PS2. 
yeah. didn't quite go to 45, but they clearly got a framework in for speeding the game up that made it more playable than just, you know, the 10 thing where they've just turned the entire game up to double. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically just turning that on from the beginning. So, um, mm-hmm. I really tried this time because I didn't have the speed. I was just playing on my PlayStation 2, <clears throat> which if people yeah. listen to Around the Long Fire, I've had hooked up since I got it. Like every home that I've gone to, I've hooked it up someplace. Um, I don't play it all the time. You, but why would you stop? Yeah, it's just yeah. I love PlayStation 2 and PlayStation games, and it's very easy to just keep hooked yeah. up. So, um, But yeah, so I, I played through it on that, uh, and more so than I ever did as a kid. Um, or even like previous times that I've played, because often when I'm replaying, I would just do the new game plus and I would have the slowdown feature anyway. I was like, I'm really going to try and see if I can do the dragon feeding thing. And just that final one is like impossible. <laughs> um, I think the remaster, uh, uh yeah. they got rid of the, the trick to doing the, um, like casino game on the SS Zelbus. Um, there used to be a way that you could pause the game and if the, like, uh, cause it basically the premise is there's like a, uh, compass spinning around, uh, and you press it and the like compass stops spinning. And if you get like, I forget which directions, I think it's like three of them are okay. North is like, you double it. And then I think South is South is the famous yeah. site. Yeah. Uh, and if you like pause it and it's like just past South and then you like basically hit like star and X at the same time, uh, it will always land on North. Uh, and so it's extremely easy to just get like a bunch of Denitorite after you get the, the rainbow shell, um, really mm-hmm. early in the game. Uh, and I think they, I didn't even know you could go back and play that thing. I did not. Oh, I just yeah. did it for the story stuff and then left. Yeah. That's like, I think the first, the first time you can get a rainbow shell. Um, but okay. I, I read something about how they got rid of that trick in, um, the remaster. You can't do it anymore. Um, do we have any more thoughts about Chrono Cross? Cause we have a bunch of questions to get through. No, I mean, I remember when, um, Neve said to us, this episode's going to be three hours long. We were like, no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. And now look at us. Um, I guess the one other thing I'll say is uh, also when I think about this game, I know a like take that I've done that like both of you are like, this is just not how p- people play games. But part of what I like about the Persona games, and I've actually been like frustrated with five, like the series is moving more and more towards it as possible to get all the the S-Links ranked up for everybody. Um, And in, like, Persona 5, it's, like, crucial that you do that to some extent um, just because of, like, how many powers are linked to the social links now. Um, And what I especially liked with, like, 3 and 4 is how easy it was to miss that stuff and to have, like, a very different, like, oh, here are the people whose I spent time with and who, like, story I got developed they're different than the ones that you did. And I think I got a lot of that impulse from really liking Chrono Cross as a kid and just like enjoying games where, uh, there is sort of stuff that you are just inherently going to miss. Um, and the fact that like, when I found out that there is a way to like follow a schedule and get every single S link ranked up, um, in persona three, I was like annoyed. (laughs) Uh, cause I just don't think that's what those games are supposed Uh. to be, but I know that's how everybody tries to play them. So yeah, I mean, like, this is a much better game about that yeah. than Persona, because Persona is a game about, like, optimizing your ti- time. And also, like, the, the the missing narrative stuff in Persona sucks. It's terrible. It's awful. Uh, you shouldn't miss... Because, like, 
it's not that you like in Chrono Cross, you like miss connections, right? There are scenes you don't see, there are characters you don't meet, there are things that don't happen. Um, but they all feel like just things in the world that you don't come across. Whereas uh, in Persona, the way it is is like you will see eight out of ten chapters of seven visual novels and only finish two. And I'm like, that just sucks. That's that's a but bad also, way to do this. Also, finishing your visual novels makes the game your you get power by finishing yeah. the visual novels. You can so right. behoove you to see the early ones. You can the use the like final persona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas here, like, um, it's actually counterposed, right? Like, if you if you uh. To get the better powers, you have to do things that are counterintuitive to, like, role-playing your character well. Uh, you have to, like, you know, not save Kid, which I didn't even realize that was a choice because I wasn't looking at guides, so of course I saved Kid. Um, and things like that. Uh, and so I think that, like, the way Chrono Cross handles those is so much better than Persona, which is, I, I think Persona's way of handling this is a bit, has always been kind of shitty. Yeah. If you have emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. They can be about the game clubs. They can be just random gaming emails. Uh, we mostly have Chrono Cross questions, but we do have one or two uh, other ones. Our first one is from Nine. Uh, you wake up. You're chained to a desk. In front of you is a, is a computer in every console. A joy voice plays over the loudspeaker. It's Jigsaw. I want to play a game. He says, make your choice. You have to pick a game uh, that you are going to verse Z- Jigsaw in. What game do you think you're going to survive picking? Um, so it has to be a competitive game, right? Well, like here's the, it I, can be it can be a game with a versus mode. If it is a single player game, assume that you are doing a speed run against Jigsaw, like whoever has the best time. But, but like it's it's Jigsaw from the movies, so yes, he, like, it is literal Jigsaw. Which Jigsaw? Anyone's guess. Uh, it's got to be Tony Hawk's then. Like I'm not the world's greatest Tony Hawk's, but I think I'm better at Tony Hawk's than Jigsaw. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I first read this, I thought of, because I used to do stuff in, like, fighting game community, did some some tournaments, uh, and the one that I was, like, best at and that also the least number of people played um, was the Persona 4 Arena, 
Um, and so at first I thought that, but then I thought about it a little bit more, and I also did competitive Catherine. And I just don't think Jig. I mean, I guess maybe it's the vibe yes, that Jigsaw would like, but I don't think I don't think Jigsaw knows how to like push all the blocks in Catherine. <laughs> I, I just wise. don't think Jigsaw's a gamer. I yeah. think we've got a good shot if any yeah. game we're like semi decent at. You know, I think M's well, coming out on top, even if you pick Forza Two. I think I think Tobin Bell is gonna lose any time, but I think if it's one of the other guys, you never know. Uh, anyway, oh, you don't know if Matt Hoffman's a gamer. Yeah, my my um my answer is uh, Mario Sunshine. Okay. You gonna speed run Mario Sunshine? Better than Jigsaw? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I wouldn't pick a speed even a speed even in a uh, game. I don't I'm good I don't at. play competitive games, I'm like, I don't know what I would consider myself good at. And I think the one thing I'm actually good at is like platforming. And I specifically I want to pick a game that is notorious for being like fiddly and difficult that I don't find fiddly and difficult, uh, which is Mario Sunshine. <laughs> I think there is a non competitive game that has a score attack element that you would do better with the like than a speedrun one. I don't Maybe. know which game, but I would I would assume that's where I would go. Okay. Well, I've made my choice. So who could say if I'm dead tomorrow, rip. Well, I'm landing my combo in uh <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. Um Alex writes in just talking about uh really like the game, how you felt about the split of uh party members and funny talking quirks all the characters had. I love the recruitment uh like little statement being different for every character. I think that's like super charming. Yeah, I think the localization in this game is like straight up a masterpiece. Like this is in peak the era of I think um this is like post vagrant story, right? This is post like Alexander Smith going to Samaritan. I think this is like, pre vagrant to... vagrant story. I think vagrant story is pre vagrant story. Okay, because yeah. um I know like the arc of they do seven after Woolsey leaves and they kind of half ass it. Because uh, if I remember correctly, vagrant story and nine are the only like big square games after this game for the PlayStation. Uh, I'll take a look because I don't know what the exact mark on that, but I know like Vagrant Story. I know that like lore of that is a Vagrant Story is the one where like uh, Alexander Smith is the um, takes over as the lead uh, guy and like is lobbying to Square as like no, we have to invest in the localizations. People will notice and care, and it got like shout out a bunch of reviews and was like, yeah, that goes on to the localization of ten through twelve, which are all fantastic that he leads and then uh, is gone by the at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think occasionally yeah, I the the accent stuff uh, gets a little too cute or cringe or like gets in the way, but uh, in general, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hilver writes in about the ten out of ten from Gamespot. Uh, did any of you ever follow review scores uh, closely? And what's the first game you played? If you were reviewing it, you would have given it a ten. What's the first game I played that if I was reviewing it, like, like in my life? Yeah, in your life. Well, I would probably have given Lego Races 2 a 10 when I was 6, so... <laughs> that counts. I would have given Final Fantasy 8 a 10 out of 10. Exact same as the Chrono Cross game spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like the answer for me is is kind of Chrono Cross. Uh, yeah. But also, like, there is that part where you get, like, so young that, of course, I'm just going to think everything's a 10. And so, like, Frogger, the first video game I ever played, uh, that yes. was a 10 to me. <laughs> I do have to say about the like controversy of this game getting a 10 uh, from GameSpot that uh, it's ludicrous that that's a controversy. Like Final Fantasy X was the biggest game in the world. This is like two and a half years later uh, and it's Square doing the same thing. But, um, you know, it's another Square RPG. Uh, it's incredibly satisfying. It's a sequel to Chrono Trigger. It, it, I don't think it's crazy to give an RPG a 10 out of 10. Like that's where the battle comes from was like, I think you know. it's more in the staff of GameSpot all didn't yes. like RPGs and yes, talk no, loudly abs- about how they didn't give a shit about Chrono Cross. 
when when Jeff talks about it, it's always on like this, this fucking weed bullshit getting you know uh, this is when like that culture split had really yes. begun to start, and as you would see it over the next decade in video games. Mm-hmm. Um, but just having played it, it is absolutely even if it's not your favorite one of these, which you know I don't even know if it's my favorite PS One Square RPG. Uh, after let that sit and think for a while. Um, but it, it getting a ten is absolutely makes total sense. It's, it's like one of the premium games from one of the like uh, biggest and most celebrated eras uh, of RPG development. Yeah, totally makes sense to me. Why why wouldn't it get a ten? Yeah. Um, Aiden writes in. Uh, tried to play this with their own game club. It had people were pretty down on it, uh, and talks mostly about the way all its reveals are in like the last two hours of the video game and how we feel about that. Um, wished Harl had more to do. Um. And uh, doesn't really ask questions about that. I think we've already elucidated our feelings on those points. But do you have any other games where you enjoy a lot about it, but the way one aspect was executed ultimately ruined your experience? Persona 3 Portable. <laughs> um, What's final... your problem with Persona 3 Portable? Um, I always have to remember if it's Chihiro or Chidori because there's both in, in them. I think it's Chidori. Chidori. I think it's Chidori, yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of the stuff around Chidori in... um persona 3 in general but then it especially hit when i was replaying persona 3 portable um and i was especially at the same time grading against the way that it's like held up as like the the lesbian one where you can have the relationship with igus um and then i actually like did the relationship stuff and it was like so underwhelming for the way that people had talked about it um i was actually like (laughs) i was like very disappointed in the way that it also handled stuff that like grazed up against like kink stuff that i'm into but in a way that just felt wrong um and so there was that part that i was already disappointed in and then also coming back to it uh like persona 3 later on in in my adulthood not playing it at a time when i was like uh deep into my depression and being like it's extremely fucked up everything that they do with like chidori and that like the way to save her is to encourage a guy to like uh, continue to like disregard her boundaries that she's setting up. Um, and that's the way that you save her. Uh, all that stuff put like a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, and so even yeah. though like mechanically the way that social links work in Persona 3 is my favorite of all of them, um, I ended up being like really down on it on my replay. That checks out. Yeah. yeah. I'm also mid on Persona 3. Probably my favorite of the Personas. Of the ones I've played, I've not played two. Yeah. I know everyone is like, two's an actual good game and not like a weird modern Atlas, you take what you can get game. Also, not having the um, answer, which is only in the FES version of the game, uh, which is the. I first played it with uh, the FES version. Um, and the answer is this whole thing of like the, the main character at the end, like the stuff that happens with him. You then have this like whole. The dungeon's kind of annoying, but you have this entire plot about like people having to deal with the consequences of that in a way that when you strip that out it just makes it this most like um lean into your self-sacrificing side of yourself uh even if it means that you like give all of yourself in the process um because you don't have like the way that that doesn't actually solve everything and that everyone is just left with this void where like now you can't be there um which is really that was the strongest part of of persona 3 for me is like the answer the the uh you know uh epilogue thing that's only in the fes version and they've never brought to other versions i know i didn't like the answer thought it was bad so (laughs) i was like all these themes are already in the video game what are we doing we're just reiterating spinning our wheels is like gba extra final fantasy dungeon get out of here um i mean my persona 3 thing is like oh i I just find the entire game's conceit around uh 
the thing that's creating depression is the the kids be on their phones and be giving up on life. Fuck off. Fuck off, Hashino. You suck so bad. Answer your answer the question. We're not going to talk about Persona 3. We have a hard out in 45 minutes. We have 800 questions okay. right here. Um, you answer the question and I'll keep Googling video games. Uh, Final Fantasy 12. I really like it. Okay, I want to love shit. it. The fucking story is bad. There's no saving it. Unfortunately, I really, I wish right now I was in a game where I was roaming around the fucking Easter sand, chaining wolves and having a great time. But I don't like the story enough to want to keep playing Final Fantasy XII in my life. It's so fucked up that Dungeon Encounters is, I think, the only game that Ito's done since Final Fantasy XII. He's done some mobile stuff. Okay, I think, I think that I am right then. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know. I realized he was bumming about a mobile stuff. I Let think? him make a fucking battle system. He's one of the best at it. Uh, answer uh, the question. Okay, well, I was. You stole what would have been a good one for me. <laughs> um, I, I genuinely, I'm like, there's probably there's probably tons, but I'm like, what's a what's a good one about this? Uh, I guess like. Ninja Gaiden 2 being unfinished the 360 game uh, adore that game's battle system but it is completely uh, unbalanced and kind of a disaster it runs like shit this kind of makes it more charming uh, but there's no like even though I think in a lot of ways it feels better than uh, Ninja Gaiden Black uh, there's no like tightness in the boss design that really lets it sing which is a shame because it was like six months of being done mm-hmm. uh, Ito's credits are not just special thanks after Final Fantasy 12 uh, okay. are uh crawlian a uh a browser game a gyromancer okay. a xbox 360 windows game um, oh the fucking fake puzzle quests uh <laughs> guardian cross which is a smartphone game from 2012 i don't think that's a gotcha it's a car it's a deck builder um dead man's cross which is a mobile and vita game from 2014 and uh that's it uh, and then um dungeon encounters yeah and then dungeon encounters yeah, let it make a battle system, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you answer the question, or did you weasel out while I did something else? No, I talked about Ninja Gaiden 2 being All like, right. the, the, it's yes. not as good. That's fine. Uh, Hero writes in, something that's always interesting to me was that Masato Kato also did script work for Xenogears and Final Fantasy VII. Uh, for instance, Kato did the whole live stream sequence with Tifa and Cloud in Seven, which brings me to the question, what do you think of the shared thematics in this era of Square PS1 RPGs? Um... So here's the thing is I think that these RPGs and like anime of the era and even literature and movies of the era are all kind of just in a conversation about the things that the nineties were concerned with. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I don't think that's just in the era. There are still games that yeah, are like yeah. dealing with this stuff. Oh, I know. But I do think, stuff. I do think you look at this in the way we were talking about, like, this isn't just informing square stuff. Uh, this is yes. like middle gear solids in this conversation and Evangelion's in this conversation. And like, this these are things that are just in the ether of the like what what people in culture were concerned about mm-hmm. there, there's stuff in chrono cross that re- reminds me of the dolphin arc and gundam x that we were just like <laughs> yeah. me and you were just talking about on around the Longfire. yeah yeah i mean it's all like you know at the same time dealing with similar things yeah I do think I think the 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 good thing about more games getting translated and released and revisited is when you look back, you can see that there is a conversation that is happening between people who are not just siloed off making the same thing over and over again. Maybe this is unfair. Maybe in 20 years, people will look back at the games of today and see a conversation, but I can't see it now. Right. No, they won't. Um, I mean, they won't. They won't. They they probably won't won't do that. Yes. Because here's the difference is that uh, these people released 
about 20 video games in four years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was often the same people. And the same amount of work is being done, right? The same amount of labor is being produced by the same like creative people in different ways that are all being engaged in different ways. But Final Fantasy 16 uh, has been announced for about as long as the time between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's been in development for more than that. Yeah. Uh, and I like... Do- I do think versions of this exists the way that we like when we talked about um, Contagrid Zero versus like Norco and versus yes. like even something like uh, Mutazione. Um, they, there is conversations happening in games that only among people who can move swiftly. Right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I was people. specifically I was specifically talking about like the current state of like JRPGs, yes, right? Like, yes. Uh, Square Enix as a company, you knew who a lot of the writers were, uh, even though there's like I'm sure six, I'm sure the amount of writers and event staff right working on all of the games in the 90s is the same as the amount of people who are all currently uh, building out 16. But like, you just don't have, this is this complete project worked on these people and then they went on to work on this the next year and this the year afterwards. And you can compare all those things. Uh, it's just put in the density uh, of like where that work goes in like the way companies are organized. It just mm-hmm. makes it harder to have these conversations outside of like spaces where games are being made quickly and responding to each other. Yeah. Yeah uh james writes in just wanted to shout out the music um music's great so this has a fucking fantastic soundtrack even even people who hate this game are like yeah the soundtrack <laughs> um get i had neve pick all those songs other than the opening song for this uh this pod um guests prerogative um but honestly i was listening to the soundtrack yesterday and i was like there's so much here that yeah people pull. if people are listening to this the songs that i picked in mad at my choices know that i am also mad at my choices it's just <laughs> yeah. uh i had to kill too many children to do it um this one's for you jackson um from cynthia as a prequel to cross Ange, how does chrono cross stack up who's the tusk of chrono cross <sighs> so here's the problem is that this is a shit post because it's got cross in it but chrono cross is uh but cross Ange is also a show about like dragons who are secretly gods who are secretly people <laughs> <laughs> okay but who's the tusk of chrono cross <laughs> well it's surge because he's the protagonist of the game and he is and everyone's in love with him so okay boring question but tusk is a boring character because he's like the harem protagonist in the show that shouldn't have one of those all right um zach writes in um i never put much stock in arbitrary categorizations but ever since playing chrono cross i've always felt incredibly strongly that my innate color is green what are your innate colors if you don't feel like you have one is there another similar kind of categorization from a video game that you do identify with all right mine's red um okay. when i was a kid it was blue um mm-hmm. i really identified with like water and ice as a kid um mm-hmm. when i was doing a geo cities or like angel fire or whatever chrono cross website uh the name that i used was just blizzard which is funny to me <laughs> now um <laughs> now i think i'm red though P- part of the my transition process has been changing to red <laughs> uh i think i'm white you would yeah, I think um, I'd be a great captain. That's what you're saying. This is this is the same question you're answering. I think I'm the hero. <laughs> There's many white innate characters that are not Surge. Thank you very much. You're no, but you're you Stark. have also said that. I'm not, I'm in the same way, in the same way that whenever someone's putting me in their dungeoneering party, I'm a priest or a paladin. I'm white innate. That's true. I guess in this game, if it's not Surge, you can also be like the uh, healer types, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. The other categorization I really like is uh, Pokemon typing, in which I am Grass type. Yeah, uh, I think I'm fairy dark in Pokemon. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, if I can get I dual type yeah. with it, I'm grass ghost, but yeah. or grass poison, but uh, I grass for sure. Oh, I wonder what type I am of, of Pokemon. Um, I'm poison type. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Rick writes in. Uh, apologies to Rick for not getting to be on the episode <laughs> about Chrono Cross. <laughs> I know, brutal. <laughs> Oh my god, Rick says, this was four years ago to the month that I uh, am started playing this for the Patreon request. Um, yeah, so yeah, it would have been, god, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, um, something truly magical happened, M hated it, and I can't help but think of that moment as a Chrono Cross style world break. <laughs> <laughs> There's a world where we made a terrible episode about the game, and I don't bring in the comic as an emergency, uh, because it's a quick read. Uh, however, the world we got is the one where that happened, I think, honestly, everything's much better for it. Um I don't think I ever would have been part of a comics podcast. You can check out Coffee and Comic Books at exportaud.io. It's fucking great. It's exactly the podcast I want to exist, but never wanted to do myself. Yeah. You almost did it. You were bits when you were flirting around doing like a comic book podcast, but you really just wanted one to listen to. Yeah, I just really yeah. want to listen to. Yeah, you I don't want. have the stamina to read comics like that. Um, don't think you ever would have read Phoenix, uh, and that's true. Um, thinking about that in another world is strange. Uh so Rick, thanks you, Neve, for bringing this up. You you did not actually do yeah. this. I did this and then invited you. Yeah. Um, but also, I put I put reevaluating Chrono Cross in the the ether. Mm. Yeah, I'm putting more of the blame on you. Literally, would never have thought about playing Chrono Cross if Neve wasn't bringing up Chrono Cross constantly all the time, always. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> uh, a couple quick questions: Who's your least favorite character you've recruited in Chrono Cross? I, I recruited a lot of them. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, there's, there were so many guys that were just in my party that I genuinely don't remember. Yeah, I think it's the guy who's the weird android with the stupid face. Yeah, he and fucking the sucks. Ninja mask. <laughs> um, yeah, that guy sucks. Oh right, yeah, him. He was he's following her the stronger, and then uh, yes. I go okay, and then I never see him again. Uh, um, I think it's weird that you get a child version of Ayla and it's not remarked upon in the video game at all. Yeah, when child versions of Chrono, Marl, and Luca are like hugely important to the plot. Yeah. Um, well, she's also a, like alive and not a spirit. So. <laughs> yes, I know it's weird. Everything about that is weird. <laughs> um, one thing that uh, I I don't think is my least favorite. I think it's like funny enough. Uh, but Pierre is just a really bad character. It's like one of the three that you can recruit uh, instead of Nikki or Guile. Um, and like in order to recruit him, you do like an extremely like uh stupid dumbed down version of the recruiting uh frog quest uh where you have to like go get the hero's medal and stuff, but you're like going and asking a kid who like beat up Pierre to like give it back um and then he's just the worst character in the game, all of his moves like only heal himself um and the only way to make him like a decent character is you get like when you get like the prop sword and all of that stuff. If you take all of the mm -hmm. prop stuff and you put it on him, he just becomes like a, a mid level in terms of stat range character. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I just love the like bit of him, but he is also just the worst character, like um, both in terms of gameplay and also he's just like a stupid joke constantly. So um, but that kind of makes me like him. But I wanted to call him out. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, Rick also asks about uh, Rick skipped the Black Dragon the first time played the game do you have anything where you ended up inadvertently skipping huge parts of the game any memories inadvertently yeah um, and no, I, I, that doesn't really happen to me much I just usually just play the game uh, fair enough uh, so the one that I, I was going to there might be another one that um, hmm, 
Yeah, I don't know if I have one for this. I have a different one okay. later on where I have my my story about playing uh, Final Fantasy VII. But... We we will keep going. We are pushing hard on time. So yeah. if you can't think of anything, just pass. Um... I googled um, <laughs> Leah. By the way, she's Ayla's mom. What? She's like a time displaced Ayla's mom. That's oh the situation God. going on with her. She's, there's like a line where she's like, I will call my daughter Ayla. Uh, uh, so she just fell in the time hole and it will go back. Okay. Sai writes in, uh, Chrono Cross I first saw on a PS1 demo disc that had the opening cinematic, and that was enough to convince me to want to play the game. Do you have any memories where you saw a cinematic or a trailer or a tract mode video that made your child brain go into hunt mode about how you could possibly get a hold of that game? Mine of these is Omega Boost, which is on a PlayStation Underground demo disc, and I really wanted to play that game. It seemed cool as hell. And then I bought that game, and guess what? It was cool as hell. <laughs> Uh, this kind of before mine is not I didn't, it wasn't like to buy it but it was the uh, attract mode for uh, Deus Ex Invisible War where like a big purple blob in, takes over all of Chicago and eats everyone and they're running away from it uh, and I remember watching that and like in the dark in like the loud CX uh, shop that we had that is not exactly a great sensory place to be in when you're an autistic nine year old and I remember that being terrifying and I watch it now it's the darkest thing in the world <laughs> Ah, uh, that's goofy. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the the game now. Uh, it was just an attract mode that I I saw like a video of. This was like far later, like I saw it on YouTube or something. Um, and it's specifically just like this FMV car like race. It it's not racing, but it's like driving around in a car, like fighting people. Um, and I ended up seeing that and becoming interested enough that like one i found a way to just like play it uh normally uh but i also like sought out the original arcade cabinet to play it um i do enjoy it it's very goofy but uh now i'm totally drawing a blank on the name of it that's all right uh eric writes in a uh, couple questions i've been playing card across has not grabbed me yet uh nine hours in how much time would you typically devote, devote to a game before you cut your losses and abandon it at nine hours i would already be gone Come back next. If you ever get the bug again, try again. But honestly, at that point, I'm not. I'm not sticking around. Uh, yeah, there's very few times where I've gone over like nine, ten hours, and I've not even been. Committed, yeah, right? like honestly, these days enough. you get like ninety minutes until I need to see something there that I'm like, oh, there, there's stuff. Um, like one session, basically. Um, if I'm not like inherently interested in seeing a little more, and maybe it'll be something else. Like even if that's just like a little germ of something, it doesn't have to be full blown. I really like this. Um. I gotta have something. Yeah, I'm, there's too many games. Yes, yes. It always feels like an organic process to me, where I'm like playing a game and I'll put it down for the night, and if it's not like immediately interesting me to pick it back up like that week, uh, time will just pass, and then I'll think about it and I'll be like, I'd have to restart that game, and I don't want to do that. Uh, and I don't always know I don't, exactly I try not what to restart games gonna happen, anymore. but yeah. Um, there's just some where it's like really difficult to jump in midway through again. Uh, and it's truly, if I've like lost it that much that I don't remember how to play the game anymore. Uh, I'm just like, well, I guess I'm done with that game. <laughs> That's what happened there is I lost enough interest that I didn't play it for like three weeks. And now I don't remember what I'm doing in it. So this happens um, to me all the time because yeah. I'm bad at this. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, we have to do this one fast. We can't hem and haw for 10 minutes. Uh, you've been hired to write a sequel <laughs> spinoff to Chrono Cross focus on just three optional characters, no required characters allowed, fleshing them out their new story. You have free reign. We have to agree on the three characters. 
Um, oh, we have to agree. Okay, so <laughs> this is the most hem and haw. Um, I am going. Question. I'm going to dictate just a fiat here as the host of this podcast. We do not have to do characters from Chrono Cross because I want one of the characters to be a reptite. Okay, so like a kid of one of the reptites from the first game or something. Yeah, or like, someone from like the Dinopolis like history. Okay. Um, hmm. I guess I mean I want like Starkey or a Starkey related character, like yeah, uh, just a space always. alien who's like, yeah, I, yeah. not all calamities fall from the sky. <laughs> Sometimes I'm yeah, just, just a little cute guy. <laughs> Sometimes a little guy that <laughs> fell from the sky. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. Neve, do you have one? Um, I'm just gonna say, you know, party pleaser. We should bring uh Harl back, but like very late game. Uh, like you like very very late, and all the stuff going on with the reptite stuff. You like finally get to Harl, and you like for like. A couple boss fights you managed to have her. Um, I'm just saying uh, they should make Chrono Break. They should make a new game and call it Chrono Break, and uh, that'd be very funny. It'd just be like Metro Dread reveal again. Yeah. HD2D Chrono Break. It's time. Yeah. People are ready. Uh, I'm fish- I'm skipping the third question because I don't think anyone has a good answer for this about fan games. Uh, my apologies. We are running oh, yeah, low on time. Yeah. We're sprinting to the finish. Thank you for your two questions. We <laughs> yes. couldn't get that one in. Um, Chris writes in Chrono Cross was the first JRPG I ever played I still have a lot of fondness for it um, this is mostly asking about favorite tracks I really like whenever the Chrono Trigger theme like drifts into the soundtrack it always fucking knocks me for a loop because mm-hmm. I'm never expecting it uh, I think my favorite track is just the overworld music like when the, the walking yes. one specifically not the boat yes. one yeah um I think the one that always hits me the most is the two Arnie themes, like hearing the one and then you, you get the alternate version. Um, and the alternate version is just like, uh, even more inflected with like, uh, Fado as like a, you know, musical style. You like really got the like squeaking on the guitar strings and everything. Uh, it's just like full longing. Um, it like has this very, uh, that whole beginning of the game feels kind of like, uh, unsettling and, and confusing, especially the first time through. Um, and that like variation on the theme is probably one of my favorites. Um, Emrys writes in as one of the rare Genesis kids, I played Chrono Cross with no exposure to Chrono Trigger. I had no idea why I was the only person who liked the game. Eventually I found out my friends hated the game for ruining the ending of the first game and killing the cast from it. Uh, other than Chrono Cross or F- Fantasy Star 3, what maligned game sequels do you enjoy more than their more popular slash beloved predecessor? Zelda 2 is mine. Fucking love Zelda 2. I think it's one of the best Zeldas. Yeah. I don't... I'm trying to think if there's like a specific one that really jumps out to me. For a long time, I was a Metal Gear Solid 2 defender. That doesn't need defending anymore, but I remember people did not like that game. Yeah. Yeah, that, those are just three very, very popular video games now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like it's too late to d- defend. Like, I saw, saw I saw a video on YouTube of someone like defend, like defending Evangelion, and I'm like, from, <laughs> from me, <laughs> a hater. <laughs> yeah, but like you're one person. You're not yes. like a you know, and you don't even hate it. No, you're just playing it up because it's very popular. I mean, I I, just, I don't like end of Ava or rebuild of Ava, but the, you know, the end of re- you rebuild of Ava. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh the problem is there's more than like, there's a lot like i really like sonic heroes uh oh i mean sonic heroes is really good but i don't like it more than sonic adventure 2 <laughs> no um but i do i do think it's like a, a good game that is um unfairly uh 
looked down on because it, it's kind of unfinished. I do think I do think Zelda Two is better than Legend of Zelda. I know that's yeah, like you genuinely take. believe it is a better game <laughs> yes. in every way. Uh, uh, I guess I'll. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how true this is, but I would say Halo 2's campaign. I think that's better than Halo One's campaign. Boo! <laughs> Boo! It's a better campaign. It's a better I, campaign. I think Halo 2 is a piece of shit. I don't understand. Uh, it's, it's paced better. It's, it's uh, Neve, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, as someone whose only campaign that I've played of Halo is Halo 2, I guess I will join you in this because <laughs> I could co-op it, which is nice. With like actual plot stuff around co-oping it. Um, that's the one where you like play as the arbiter, right? If you go up no, or three. oh three, so that's the one that I played. Never mind. Three is really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two have arbiter levels uh, in single player, but in three, it's uh, player one, master chief, player two, arbiter. All right, um, that'll have to do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alex writes in, I was playing Tomb Raider 3 a few months ago and made the exact same mistake as I kid- did as a kid playing Tomb Raider 2 and saved instead of loading while I was falling to my death. <laughs> Luckily, I know about keeping multiple save files as a wise ancient being. My poor child self just had to keep reloading that doomed plummet in disbelief. Uh, anyway, have you ever had any good stories about fucking up your save data? Uh, yeah, so this is the story uh, that I have, uh, which is the reason why I never beat um, Final Fantasy 7. Which is, I was playing it at the same time as my brother and watched my brother beat it. Um, and at that point, I kind of lost interest in continuing to play because I'd already seen everything. I'd like watch my brother play it. Um, and then a little bit later, I came back to it. I was like, I want to play it for myself. You know, I've played Chrono Cross at this point. I'm like really into RPGs. Um, and so I got to the part where I know that you're supposed to go to the Golden Saucer. And I somehow glitched the game where I got the like sand vehicle to actually go into golden saucer which is supposed to try and push you out um and when you're in there if you do it that way and you don't like go to the upper level you just end up in like the prison area but none of the npcs are in there that you need to talk to to get out because you haven't triggered the right story events um and i saved my game in there and so my and i only had one save file because i still hadn't quite learned as a kid to like always have multiple um and so i was just like i i guess i'm not beating final fantasy 7 like I know what it is and I'm just I've I've screwed my game over. I have to restart again. I'm not doing that. So um this is why although I know all the stuff of Final Fantasy Seven, I watched my brother beat it and then I watched Emily beat it later on uh when we were married. because uh, she wanted to replay it. I've just never actually beaten it myself. So um and yeah, the only people I've seen mentioning this are the PC port of it have gotten this glitch. I don't I've never heard anybody talk about it in the PlayStation game, but I got it in there. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything like. I, there have been times that I've accidentally deleted, like cleared a bunch of save data, and, and there was a game that I kind of wanted back in there, but I haven't got like a unique fun story to tell. Because I mostly keep my saves in order. Yeah. Um, I had a version of this happen while playing Chrono Cross, for the dumbest reasons you could possibly imagine. So right. I am in the boat. The, the the section where you're running around doing the like stealth sequence, you turn to a cat, whatever, finish all that. As I'm nearing the finish of that, I load a like I just boot to the Mister like there's like a UI menu where you could do like save states and change some of your settings or whatever. Um, and here's the thing about me that I when I set up my I played this on my eight bit Doe like SN thirty plus whatever um, as my controller. I set the Mister UI buttons to use right button is confirm and bottom button is escape oh, like no! like Japanese PlayStation Chrono Cross itself uses 
um x is confirm circle is escape like a like an american playstation game does um and what i ended up doing is in the at the end of that place when i hadn't saved for an hour and a half accidentally booting the second disc of chrono cross (laughs) by accidentally (laughs) like buttoning too fast because the first menu is swap discs um and when you when you swap discs in the middle of a place, it fucks everything up. And I immediately swap back and I was like, is this fine? I saved in a separate slot just to make sure I rebooted it. Because like suddenly the portraits weren't displaying correctly. It was just like garbled mess. Like I could explore the area and talk to people, but all the porches are wrong. I was like, I fuck up my game. And I saved and reloaded and it was still weird. Um, I would get like crashes and battles and stuff. And so I had to reload and do the entire ship again. <laughs> That's how you know that the FPGA shit is the real shit because it just is like it's literally like you put the wrong disc in into PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um for a while Chrono Cross was really hard to emulate because uh there was most of the time occasionally you could get it to work, but most of the time you would get to the part where you have to switch to disc two and it would just crash the game. Um and I think they like had to try and do something that like when it, it first released on classics on playstation 3 it happened on some of the old ones and they had to like do a firmware update um or something like that but there there was a moment yesterday where i was at like uh chronopolis which i assumed was the final dungeon of the game mm-hmm. um not realizing there was it was it kind of was there's two and there's a little bit in the middle there um but i also assumed because it's from the year 1999 uh and also i'd already hit a very clear disc break earlier this was a four disc video game uh, in that I assumed, you know, because I'm not playing with the disc, but I was like, oh, obviously you change the disc when you become uh, Lynx because it like has a weird contextless opening and, you know, in the very, you know, disc change style. You think? Um, and so then when I, when I got through uh, into that, I like posted a screenshot of the game where one of the islands is called like Clotho. And I was like, that's yeah. just like from the fucking terrible anime I've been watching. Um made a shit post and you responded oh disc two there was like a brief moment where i had a heart attack and i was like do i have am i a third of the way through this video game <laughs> no disc, <laughs> so like, disc two <laughs> is when when you take the boat into the triangle with the light that's disc two yeah uh yes um and disc two is just like chronopolis and terra tower it's not there's not a whole lot to it uh yeah no it's just like i guess it's clear that like we couldn't quite fit all the fmvs in one disc but there's not that many um so we split it up this way but there yeah. was a moment where i was like oh my god is this video game the longest game ever made am i fucked <laughs> yeah um Kyrie writes in uh likes both games wants to know what we think the uh essence of a chrono game is like what what is the thematic material that ties together trigger and cross i think it's about like the ennui of times changing and like friends in the middle of that right that's the stuff that like has remained constant between the games yeah um but i don't think there's like a strong and like uh, seeing alternate versions of things whether it's like direct time travel or just this parallel universe thing um like wondering about Mm -hmm. what other things can exist (laughs) yeah that's fair i agree with those uh cast writes in if you could have one character from resident evil as a guest on blockbusters which is our movie podcast you get five dollars a month at patreon.com slash normal mapping we're about to do paddington next month um who would it be and what movie would you get them to watch i have postulated a hard mode where you pick anyone other than barry i was so mad about this because you so can pick barry. You pick barry you just get the easy mode points um well no you were like oh no barry so i just uh, said hard mode is picking not barry you can pick Barry. I know who I'm picking. I, I have a different person. Barry is the right answer, though. Uh, okay. 
Um, I am going to bring in Wesker, but like That's, I was going to say Wesker, not even one Wesker, <laughs> just like kind of shitty guy. What's the movie? Um, like just uh, uh, Point Break. We've already covered it, but I want Wesker to watch Point Break with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Neve, what movie are you showing, Wesker? Um, I feel like one of the Dead or Alive movies. I guess it's oh, not really yeah, blockbusters, but I still want to show one of those to Wesker. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Um, I'm picking Carl Heisenberg from Resident Evil 8, who's this motherfucker, who I who I hate. I think he sucks. Um, and I'm going to sit and watch Boondock Saints with him because I want to see a guy genuinely like Boondock Saints and have to reckon with this with him on a podcast for an hour. Just Arden from Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> He's he, no, he his vibe is so different, but you're okay. not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Um, but he sucks. This guy sucks. He's very dumb. <laughs> I don't want to give it really, I, I have to play 15 this year, and um, hopefully we'll be able to. My wrist is a little bit better after the last yeah. couple of months. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I know so many things that happen. In fact, like plot-wise, I'm like spoiled completely. I don't know a single thing that Arden does, even though technically he's the main villain in which the entire plot revolves, which is yeah. very funny to me. That's how much people care about Arden. Yeah. Um... All right. Uh, final question from Anonymous. Um, Chrono Cross was maligned at the time by Trigger fans. When did you first realize that fans or fandoms are bullshit? I remember call- recalling the re- I loved the Wind Waker art style reveal and was shocked at all the negative reactions and even more confused at all the Twilight Princess excitement. Uh, needless to say, I've never trusted a Zelda fan since those days. It would never trust a Zelda fan for many reasons, honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. so the Zelda thing is weird specifically because the multiple one, they showed the uh, Spate World trailer the year before, which was Twilight or Ocarina of Time linking Ganondorf having a big, sick, realistic sword duel. And people were hyped for that. Uh, the trailer for Wind Waker, the initial reveal trailer is much goofier than actual Wind Waker. Um, its art style is much more like Looney Tunes in a way that Wind Waker is not. Um, and I think that it, it genuinely sells the art style worse than the actual Wind Waker video game does. Um, and then three post lord of the rings people were really hyped for blades will bleed and they're out of their minds because twilight princess is not a aesthetically pleasing game but whatever um the game's ugly as sin yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like blurry mushy brown textures on everything there's no universe in which it looks better than wind waker but that was the time that was um, the era for it the thing the thing that you postulated and i hadn't really thought about it but it's correct um is it's not necessarily that the chrono trigger fans are like especially loud fandom it's that the chrono trigger fans didn't know dragon quest existed and it broke their brains <laughs> this is fundamental i genuinely believe that like if dragon quest 5 releases on the snes in america oh fuck yeah. the entire the entire balance of power of snes rpgs has changed yeah yeah chrono trigger does not become the greatest game of all time in that world dragon like, quest 5 is other live alive and earthbound and dragon quest 5 are the best snes rpgs i'm pretty sure i believe that in my heart so <laughs> But, like, we love Live Alive, but it's, like, yeah. a kind of janky-looking cheap game, yes. and it's, like, weird. I get why when yeah. some people play, like, oh, it's not as good as Chrono Trigger, because Chrono Trigger's got, like, the polished stuff. Uh, and Earthbound is is beloved. That one is genuinely yes. very popular and beloved and does, like, have that reputation. But it's also, like, um, you know, it's so divergent aesthetically from RPGs. Yes. Uh, whereas, like, Chrono Trigger is just, we got the Dragon Quest guys to do a Dragon Quest, and we got away with it in America, because none of them are playing Dragon Quest, but you can get, if you could have got the real shit, if you could get Dragon Quest Five in 1995, uh, Chrono Trigger does not have the reputation it does. I believe this wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. 
Um, um, I I tend to be. Oh, were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna Go say ahead. in terms of like uh, realizing that fans or fandoms were bullshit. Um, is when I I kind of had this with Chrono Cross, but the part where it like really sunk in is when I got into Evangelion. Um, I also watched like Fooly Cooly at the time. Um, and then I was like on Live Journal fandom groups and just seeing the way that people talked about those things. Um, like just actively, I was just like this this is what fandom is like, screw this. Um, the biggest thing I remember is somebody, uh, trying to argue with me that fully Cooley is not about all of the like, uh, puberty stuff. Uh, that is just like, uh, aesthetics put over the real story that is about this guy named, uh, atomic, whatever, Adam screw, whatever. Um, and like all, and I was like, you are reversing this <laughs> people, people Wait, make media about the guy's things. Name? Um, what the, what guy? Oh, what is the... It's like the... I think it's Adamsk. Like, uh, A-T-O-M-S-K. Yeah, the Pirate King Adamsk. Okay. And this is really what sure. Fooly Cooly is about. And I was like, you... Do you just not understand what, like, art is? <laughs> do you not understand why people make art? <laughs> um... Even Galleon's about ancient aliens that uh, yeah. sent out seeds of life to various planets. Yeah. You can go read the lore books. Yeah. But, like, well, oh, yeah. You dig into NGE2 and be really sad about how art is dead and nothing good can ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> if, I mean, people were literally doing that for Chrono Cross, and I was looking things up, and people were like, oh, Kid was, like, sent out of the despair of Sharla, and then she, like, is following the player to the real world. And, like, that's actually, like, really fucked up because, like, this is, and, like, refuse to making the jump to like this is a metaphor this is a metaphor about stories and like how you bring the lessons from this game into your real life just like a very obvious metatextual leap refused to be made because the literal reading that suggests something like dark and fucked up is more interesting to a certain section of the audience yeah. uh was finding a lot of that looking things up <laughs> before this episode um so i think this is colored by the the company we keep and what we do um that it, everyone i know is generally uh, opposed to fandom no not anti-fandom that's this whole other thing let's not yeah. it, we're gonna set aside anti-fandom as his own weird thing we're not discussing here um and i found it like necessary to start pushing the other way where like i'm not interested in engaging with like the cultural movements that love certain properties they're not particularly interesting to me but individuals who are adjacent to that or like a thing like more than just like I like a thing where they're like, this is like part of my personality is being really into this one thing. Kind of the way I'm about like Star Trek or whatever. Right. Um, it used to be like yeah. learning from them is, is important. It's like, like to me, it's like I can gain something from that. Um, but you can't do that by like indulging in the fandom discourse online. Those are different things and learning to separate those things like individuals from like the cultural movement that emerges out of late capitalism is really important. I think, because it's very easy to dismiss people, individuals who like certain things as part of the framework. And sometimes they are expounding the talking points of those frameworks, but they're still people, right? It's difficult. Well, it is a space to navigate. Yeah. This is specifically my like exact problem with the concept of fandom and like how it is uh, deployed online is it is often a framework for people to shadow box. Yes. Um, in the, I'm, I'm seeing this around specifically around the FF15, uh, 16, which is coming out in like a month. So like arguments about it are really heightened, but no one's fucking played the game, so no one can actually argue specifics. So that, like everyone's like, oh, 
you only don't like this if you're like a Nomura pilled whatever thing. And just like assuming that everyone's reasons for liking or not liking things fall into really neat fandom boxes. But like people like things for reasons. Like they engage with the works and they have considerations of them. And I guess the other word, the other way of like, we're currently watching Gundam Seed and we really hate it. But then there's lots of posts that often go viral about like people only don't like Seed because they're like a UC elitist. And like, well, that's not true of me. I, I don't like a lot of that stuff. You know, like, so your engagement with the vision of other people who enjoy the thing you like are neatly put into boxes of how you assume other people are um and that's not always true it's not how everyone uh, exists because like even saying that is its own form of putting people in boxes right yeah. yes uh, but i'm not talking about like the beliefs people hold necessarily i'm talking more about how like when you see the specific posts that go viral when you see the website that people are talking about fandom on uh it just like structurally more through the material reality of like the modes we talk to each other in rather than any belief that an individual holds encourages this way of like factional thinking uh but over what is essentially cartoons and video games yeah. <laughs> like it does, it's for cartoons and video games people uh yeah um that's it again abnormal mapping podcast at gmail.com next month uh we are playing uh monkey island 2 Lechuk's Revenge, I think that's what the subtitle is. I believe it is. Um, which you can play via, like, DOS box. You can play the special edition. Um, the special edition, uh, without modification, just allows you to play the original version with voices, which honestly is the ideal version to play Monkey Island. If you really like the special edition art, go with God, it's fine. Um, but I think the original-looking version with the voices is the way to play Monkey Island in modernity, uh, personally. That's how I've been playing it. If, you, if for some reason you don't like the voices, like, whatever, I'm not going to argue with you. Go with God um it's monkey island go get it how you get it yeah um but we'll be checking that out um i we are going to be joined by special guest dia lucina a uh, friend of the show who's been on before uh she is about to start a let's play of monkey island one that she's going to do um in the lead up to this so if you've never played monkey island one and don't want to play it yourself check that out i guess um and uh that'll be great um jackson's also playing monkey island one right now presently yeah uh, I was gonna finish it before Chrono Cross, but then I, you know, I'm just bad at scheduling. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm the only one who suffers. Um, and then I would like like to announce in July, our intention is the game club to be Final Fantasy 16, as we talked about. Yeah, uh, we're, so pl- for we're some... both gonna play it. So yeah. we might as well do the and episode on it. Um, so if you are on the fence about that, um, you were like, I don't know if I want to get it or not. You can always wait to that episode. If you want to join in, we'll be doing it. You can be uh, abreast of that. If you don't have a PS5, uh, talk to Square. I'm sorry. It sucks. It's, it's, it is annoying that that game is like a single console exclusive. I know PS5 are like available now, but unless you're a weirdo like us, I don't know why you'd spend $500 on a PS5. Yeah. It's really not worth it. I still it. don't have one. Yeah, you could, <laughs> you could spend $300 on a Steam Deck and get a better console. Yeah yes it's four hundred dollars but yes four hundred dollars sorry um, it's still a better it's console still a better console um all i only was the cheapest version i forgot what price they were at yeah um uh but yeah so that'll be fun uh please look forward to that it'll be like at the end of july so like a month after the game comes out so there's yes. no rush we'll be a little later than the like initial rush of discourse but we will be kind of topical yeah i mean we're not gonna like there's no way we would crank that out in a week and then do a timely podcast. We're just going to do our thing, kind of like we did with Forza Horizon 5. No, but you know who did do that? Me and Austin in 2020 when 7 Remake came out, because we're both crazy. Yeah. Uh, but we're now doing it on I a mean, normal I mean, here's schedule. the thing is it's very likely you finish that game in like a week after it comes out, and then you have to wait for me to finish, because I uh, plot along at my own pace. <laughs> um yeah i mean i will probably finish it quickly because i'll people will be talking about it i'll just want to be on the other side yeah 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, look forward to those. After that, I don't. I genuinely don't know. And that's like when we're up against, a, are we going to do something special for our 10 year anniversary? The answer is no, almost certainly. But <laughs> I still think about it. I genuinely, we, we've, it's come up multiple times and I have, I don't even know what like a funny suggestion would be. Yeah. I'm so sad that um, a year ago, before they announced uh, Scarlet and Violet for being last year, I thought we would do Scarlet and Violet uh, this year. I thought it'd come out at the end of this year at the exact 10th anniversary. We could all make fun of me. Oh, um, right. We could put the whole, <laughs> you said Pokemon be dead by now to rest. <laughs> I thought that would line up exactly. But well, here's the thing. Work. Even if we had done that, people would still make fun of you for saying that. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. end that, but it would be a nice, it would be like a funny capstone on the whole situation. Um but then they announced the game too early, and now I'm like, well, shit, I got nothing for this year. I got nothing. Yeah, that's all right. We've done almost everything I've ever wanted to do for this podcast. Um, the ones that I wanted to do we haven't gotten to yet. Many of them I don't want to do anymore. Uh, we're not going to do a Half-Life. Journal Updated is doing Half-Life. We don't have to. We're free. Yeah. Uh, Neve, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at FoxMomNia on Twitter and, you know, uh, Letterboxd, AnyList. I don't do whatever the game rating one is. I don't play enough games for that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, Ghost Divers, anime podcast. Um, you know, we just did Iron-Blooded Orphans, but if people want another um, one that I think was a really good season we did, I would recommend Utena. Um, go listen to Ornate Stairwalls, a movie podcast uh, that I do with my friend Autumn. Um, you know, Pondering Puton only if you really want to. Uh, it's I think people will get the most out of it if they like know me and also Connor, my my co-host from uh, Ghost Divers. Um, and then Around the Long Fire, which I do with M. We talk about uh, Icelandic sagas and all sorts of things. It's basically our hangout checkout pod or, you know, uh, catch up podcast. Um, I remember roasting you two like as you spent two months just talking about Chrono Cross. <laughs> yeah, there's more uh, Chrono Cross. We're not going to have anything to talk about. <laughs> There's not going to be anything to talk about on the episode. And here we are, three hours in, later. <laughs> um, and also, if you want to hear all three of us talk, uh, one, there's like that uh, Ornate Stairwalls um, repertory screenings crossover thing that's like if you're patron, uh, people can go check Is it out. Is that on VoIP? Yeah, that's a VoIP, Yeah, it's a right? VoIP and a also VoIP. a $5 on Xport Audio. Um, right, yes. But uh, also, in a little bit, I'm going to be at the finale of Sea Destiny. So I'll be there as well. Uh, I've been suffering through it with Where, you all. We will not go three hours. You're not allowed no. to go three hours for. Oh. If you had to tell, if you had to make me bet, like before today, I would have said the Seed Destiny one is longer than this podcast. But like, I'm looking at the time, and it would have to be our longest podcast on GDP ever to beat this one. So, uh, about a show we all hate. I... <laughs> about a show we all hate. I can't uh, imagine we're gonna get that many emails about it just because it's so bad. No one gives a fuck. Uh, so yeah, send in if you're listening to GDP. Prove I'm wrong and send it. No, don't. <laughs> Only if you have nothing to say. We're going to be so grumpy at Sea Destiny. It's fine. Um, all right, Jackson. Uh, you can find me at Headfalls Off on Twitter.com and co hosts whenever Twitter has stopped working, but I'm mostly posting on Twitter still. Haven't haven't breached, branched out. Probably should, but it's fine. Hey, if someone uh, wants to drop me a Blue Sky invite, I'll branch out. Yeah. Yo, please, can someone hit me up with a fucking Blue Sky invite? Yeah. No one ha- Where are you all getting them? Jesus Christ, people. Uh, and you can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. whole bunch of other podcasts there. Uh, go listen to them. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. I don't, I'm on Coz, but I don't use it. I don't, I don't like anything but Twitter. I'm cursed in this way. Um, 
I would like you to check out uh, you. Actually, I don't know. The, go to YouTube, type in Dealacina, go to Dia's channel. We were playing Space Quest uh, in order and we got to the demo of Space Quest 6 and it was so bad that we said, fuck this. And we are now playing Gabriel Knight 2, which is a game I've never seen before. And it is the most fun I've had playing a video game in years. Playing that with Dia. You're not I'm even so playing excited. it. No, but it, you know, whatever. Um, I, t- I sometimes I go, hey, do that. And Dia does that. Um, no, so, adventure games are delightful to like, you know, double. You know, yes. Um, drive. Game on Light 2 is incredible. Holy shit. What a cool game. <laughs> uh, very corny. I love it a lot. Um, anyway, if you would like to support our podcasts, uh, one, rate review us on iTunes. Uh, we never say that, but people should do that. If you like this episode or any episode, uh, retweet the plug. Maybe sh- Tell your friends, listen to Abnormal Mapping. If you're on a different social media network, plug it there because we don't, we're not there. We're only on Twitter. Um, and that's always a huge help. Um, if you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash mapping. For one dollar, you get a great Gundam project. We're watching Sea Destiny. It's really bad. We're watching Our Battler Dunbine. It's really good. Five dollars, you get blockbusters. We just did one on Smoking the Bandit, which turned out to be really cool. Um, and we're about to do Paddington, which I hope is good. Uh, for ten dollars, you get VoIP Life, which is uh, mostly a thank you for supporting the show. It's mostly me and Jackson hanging out and yelling about stuff. Um, <laughs> last episode, we talked about the Tears of the Kingdom disc, not even discourse, just it coming out and people talking about it and living online during a big release. Uh, we also yelled about Star Wars ships for forty-five minutes. If you want to hear me talk about why the X-wing is bad and everyone disagrees You're with me through that. time and history, <laughs> as you can do that. It's so alien. Um, Exactly, it's no fucking A-Wing. It's better than uh, an A-Wing. Fuck off both of you. Go Y-Wing? Y-Wing's great. <laughs> anyway, please check that out. Neve, thank you so much for coming along and sitting here for three hours so early in the morning. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Of course, you can always go to the Discord. Uh, you can just go to abnormalmapping.com and there's a link to the Discord. Come in, say hi, hang out. There's always like-minded people. Uh, too many Gundam people. So if you just like video games and don't care about the robot anime, please come <laughs> save us. Especially if you like movies, come. <laughs> yeah, if you like movies, movies, especially. Yeah. Um, that's true. Um, but thank you as always for listening, and I hope to see you next month. Uh, that's it. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>
Gracias.